Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And sticking their head up just a little bit out of the water, but not completely, just enough that you can see their eyes, is the Shanagator. All right. Uh, we're back after a week off. I uh, have, I don't know, pinched nerve or something that's messing with my hands. Uh, numbness in the thumb makes it really tough to edit. So uh, Yeah, it doesn't sound like fun at all. Hasn't been great. Haven't been loving it. Haven't felt the end of my thumb for six weeks. Not a big fan oh of that. Uh, but uh, this week, we're talking about Wild Things from 1998 uh, from director John McNaughton, who we've covered a couple previous times on the podcast. He did The Borrower and Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Movies that are both completely different in tone, both from each other and from this one. Yeah, this one is another big swerve. This is sort of his big mainstream movie, like a huge 90s hit. Yeah, I cannot believe that I never saw this until now. I had a huge crush on Nev Campbell. How did I not even like watch this? How the how did this happen? And this is totally Nev Campbell capitalizing on Scream. This is or not necessarily Nev, but the movie capitalizing on Nev. Uh as a success in Scream, she's kind of playing a variation on Sydney. Mm-hmm. It's a twist movie. Uh, <laughs> the twist is everybody sucks. Everybody's crooked. There's not a single person who isn't. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a Joker plot where they where the Joker's trying to get rid of everybody else in the heist to keep all the money, and everyone thinks they're the Joker. See, I don't think that's true. I think there's maybe two people who might. Uh, mm. but, uh, neither of them are in charge. It's the no. guys. The guys don't really know what they're doing, but they, they think they're in charge. I guess that's sort of a very late nineties sentiment. Like this, this is, this has all the energy of a late nineties beer commercial. <laughs> it totally does. Oh my God. Where he's like, oh yeah, you know, men's are, men are dumb and into women and then the women are controlling them and know more than uh, they do. That, that's sort of the dynamic of late 90s beer commercials. The last era in which I regularly watch television. Yeah, I I was done watching TV after the 90s too. <laughs> Man, that makes me feel so old. <laughs> I realized, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this movie's uh, 25 years ago. Uh, and this is around the time I, uh, I like not exactly, but you know, early aughts would be where I didn't have cable anymore. Switched to pretty much just movies and DVDs. <laughs> That's around when I switched to perfectly legal online methods of acquiring movies. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, <laughs> I worked in video stores quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, what you were referring to with your introduction, the title of the movie, Wild Things, uh, multiple meanings, and it appears in the film over a gator just half submerged in the swamp, which is also the poster art, but with Nev Campbell and Denise Richards submerged in a pool. They're the wild things. Well, Denise Richards thinks she is. She's she's wild. She's just not the most wild. She she's That's not true. the super predator. No, she's she's the bottom of the predator totem pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she doesn't realize how much she's at the bottom, and you know she thinks she's a lot higher on the totem pole because of her wealth. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other thing. The wealth versus poor, and I, I mean this this is a for as 
sexy and uh, transgressive as this movie was. Like this, this was kind of a hot property, and nobody would touch it. It had they had a hard time getting actors on it because you know the script was was like eh, I don't know. We might get canceled making this movie. <laughs> you know, I I did think at first that this was going to be like an anti Me Too movie. It's like oh yeah, the false accusations of rape will just ruin a man's life. And I thought that that was going to be where the movie was going at first. Right. And there's some of that. Like there that is. is kind of present there. It's just, it's not really uh, about that. It, it's, uh, I, I mean, like, you know, as I said, it does have that beer commercial energy where it is kind of more about yay boobs and uh, <laughs> uh, women in swimsuits and pools. And then, you know the 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 guys get some, but then you know they're they're not in charge. They're they're too dumb to be in charge. Oh yeah. So uh, in terms of the guys, our main guy Matt Dillon is Mister Lombardo, the guidance <laughs> counselor, the hot oh. guidance counselor. Oh man, everybody wants to fuck this guy. He's the guidance counselor at Blue Bay High in Florida. Uh, <laughs> it's an all Florida man movie. You know, every character is Florida man or Florida woman. I feel like it takes place in like the freeway cinematic universe, just on the other side yeah. of the country. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of freeway energy. They are kind of a similar style of film. And, and yeah, I, even when I started to take my notes, I wanted to say Reese Witherspoon was in this movie, and I was like, wait, no, there's just Denise Richards and Nev Campbell. There isn't also a Reese Witherspoon. Because I did watch another thing in the past couple of weeks with Reese in it doing a highway esque performance. <laughs> so. It feels like she would fit right in here. Oh yeah, uh, her, her character would. I mean, her character is a little bit more deranged than anyone here. A little to bit. Be fair. <laughs> Nev comes close. Well, Nev is much more controlled. Nev is a planner. Whereas uh, Reese Witherspoon's character is just fucking buck wild in Freeway. Man, I shot him so many times. No way he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're introduced to Dylan. He He's doing a sex crimes <laughs> seminar. Oh, my God. The, the blackboard bit is like one of the first things in the movie. <laughs> Perfect it gag. It just completely sets the tone. Oh, it, it is a straight up sketch comedy gag. I feel like they did this exact gag on Whitest Kids You Know. It isn't that the you know What's worse uh, than a rapist? Yeah, child rapist. A child. No. Like no, no. Uh <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it made me think of. First thing that popped into my mind, because yeah, he writes sex on the board, and you know, it's a big auditorium full of teenagers. Like, Woo! Ooh, yeah, sex, yeah. <laughs> And then he adds crime, like, boo. Ooh, we oh. don't like crime. <laughs> yeah. Also a lot of wolf whistles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, later he'll get the sex crimes uh, note with a brick attached to it, which is really <laughs> hilarious. And this, of course, also features Kevin Bacon as uh, our asshole cop, Ray Duquette. I, I'm still trying to figure out where he fits into this. I've watched the movie twice now, but the conspiracy just feels like it has too many steps really i mean i think there's way too many twists the the amount of twists are completely absurd because it's 
mostly them withholding information from the audience. But I think it's all pretty straightforward. He's the worst guy. He's just, he's the point. He's killing him was the main purpose. Like the money is secondary to killing him. Oh, like, okay. Spoilers, obviously, but he's the bad guy. He's the baddest guy. Right, right. Because he did do an actual murder outside of this plot. Yeah, previously. It's it's sort of one of the things that kicks everything off, technically. But we don't know that until much later, because uh, this is the movie that withholds most of the information from the audience in service of delivering twist after twist after twist after twist. But but it's, only after, like, about the halfway point. Yeah. They just come at one after another. Yeah, at the halfway point, they're like, no, no, everybody's bad. And then this person's bad. And then this person's bad. And then this person's bad. It's a little bit absurd. It gets very silly. It really does. <laughs> to the point where I was just calling like, oh man, okay, so at least one person is working with the cop, and if more than one is, they don't know about each other. Yeah. So, uh, sex crimes. We, we, <laughs> we, got the, we got our seminar with Duquette, as well as his partner, Gloria Perez, who I guess is the only person who does not turn out to be crooked. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. She almost makes out with matt dylan's character but doesn't because he's so hot everybody yeah. wants to yeah i mean you know she's tempted but she doesn't make out with them you know that that's how we prove that she's the good one she's the <laughs> one person who's incorruptible right well, right not yet corrupted she's corruptible i suppose maybe but yeah we, we don't find out so the in in terms of the sex crime seminar we're introduced to Susie of Campbell because she walks out uh, she has beef with Duquette that's not really clearly specified at this point but the two of them get into a fight at a school auditorium on <laughs> sex crime <laughs> see uh, I, I just figured that she just hated all cops in general and is like a cop is here fuck Fair. this I'm not listening to a cop yeah at this point that's that seems like completely reasonable it's specifically about him but you know uh, at this point, it's it's viable that it's just like, fuck you, cop. Although that's maybe more likely in the present day than in 1998. Yeah, yeah. That's also probably true because cops would show up at these things back in, I don't know if they still do, but back in the 90s, you would always get a cop showing up to these things and be like, okay, oh yeah, I'm a cop and I, if I say drugs are bad, you have to listen. Oh, for real? No, yeah. This is this was a part of uh, the the '90s high school experiences. You had cops come uh, talk to, and I imagine that's still a thing, but maybe less so these days. And there's definitely more of a direct tension against the police uh, through all levels of society, as well as in the films. You you don't have quite the same treatment of police as you had in the '90s. There was a bit more of a readiness to have hero cops there, there's less hero cops in movies these days yeah that's true yeah the hero cop was very common in the 80s and 90s very common in the 80s uh starting to become more tainted in the 90s you know with all the riots and stuff uh you know the the la riots and uh, the rodney king thing all that yeah uh, the, the, it lost its flavor during the 90s, and then it, it's completely dead now, I feel. I don't think you could make a hero cop movie today. I mean, it would be really tough. You'd have to be fighting cops as a hero cop, I feel. You could make Serpico today. You could totally make Serpico today. I mean, Serpico's hot. 
Serpico is a movie that still play. You you play Serpico you as is. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to remake it. It's still perfect. That, in fact, you shouldn't remake <laughs> it. You don't. You don't need to remake Serpico, guys. I don't know. I could. Hmm. Who would? I mean, we're getting way off the point, but that's fine. Who? Who would you cast? Who as would a we cast as Serpico? Serpico? Um. How about? Oh, gee, this is hard. It is a um, tough one, yeah. Because uh, because you need that bohemian energy. Uh, there, there is you. You have to sort of inhabit the hippie lifestyle, uh, but being interested in order, just not being interested in necessarily the authority. It's a tough one. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who who would be good there. Mm. Modern actor. Yeah. Uh... Shit. <laughs> I really thought I'd have come up with somebody by now. <laughs> I guess my go-to pick would probably be Alden Ehrenreich, who oh. I think kind of un- unfairly got thwomped after uh, Solo didn't do all that great. Which but sucks because he he's good in it. it out of the park for doing what the movie wanted him to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't love that movie. I think that movie has lots of flaws, but he was really good in it. Man, he was so good in Hail Caesar. Someone mm. needs to capitalize on how incredible he was in that movie. Anyway. Serpico should be somebody black. I feel like maybe that puts too fine a point on it. And Serpico's yeah. a real guy. It's based oh, on a real oh, yeah, person. Right, right. It's based so on a true story. You right. can, but... You can, I but mean, no. it, I, I feel like there you're kind of just doing the Velma thing where you're uh, yeah. maybe more playing to uh, uh, an outrage audience than you're trying to actually make a movie. So anyway, Susie uh, walks out because she hates Duquette, although maybe it's just because she doesn't like cops. And, uh, you know, they, we don't really see the seminar. We're, we're just here to establish sex crimes as a theme. Th- that was the title of the movie in Europe, by the way. <laughs> some some cities, some countries, I'm not sure where. Um, which is interesting because I don't know if any sex crimes take place in the movie for real. Well, there are a lot of crimes and they're all sort of adjacent to sex. Sex <laughs> and crimes are sort of the, the core themes of this film. Wait, well, actually, how old are the how old are the girls while this is happening? Because uh, any sex becomes a crime. Uh, I don't know, and I mean, it also sort of like they are in high school, but they're yeah. high school seniors. Although it's clear that he has a relationship with going back at least a year with both of them. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, obviously, sex crimes are taking place. It's just yeah, they're yeah. not the point. No, <laughs> it's, the point is sex and crimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a neo-noir, but it's a really self-aware neo-noir that is aware of how ridiculous it is. I do think <laughs> this is a movie that understands it's absurd, and that's why there are so many twists that it's like, yeah, I mean, we're playing with this. We're having fun here. Yeah, Charlie Day is Serpico. I mean, he's already done it. True, true. That would actually be really fun. You know, because hmm. I think Charlie Day is a great dramatic actor and doesn't get a lot of chances to do it. Might be interesting. Seen him do it. I have, but not a lot. He did just make a new movie. Uh, like, I think he directed something. I don't remember what it was. Oh. He he was in the Criterion Closet uh, a couple weeks back uh, talking about it and, and talking about his influences, which was really rad. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I like that. Charlie Day as Serpico. I mean, it's 
he he's sort of done it on Always Sunny, but I kind of would love to see him do it seriously. Like, I think he could pull it off. He has that kind of early Pacino energy. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, after the sex <laughs> crimes uh, seminar, Denise Richards as Kelly Von Ryan, uh, the richest girl with the richest family. With the richest mom, who, of course, we later find out is one of many people who Sam is hooked up with. Has he or is she just hot for him? Mm, it, I believe they state that he has in the past. Well, or no, that's sorry, the, hmm. See, yeah, Sam no, we'll, we'll get back to that. It, it's it's said, but it's a part it could, of a backstory. Yeah. And then it, hmm. it, it could be an unreliable narrator saying it. Well, the, the thing is, she's definitely into him because yeah. shortly when the two of them meet, she's trying to invite him up. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have a thing in the past because he's just he's a fuck boy. That's his whole thing. But, yeah, I mean, they have a phone call. He's like, no, no, I'm just settling down and do I only do one woman at a time now. <laughs> well, there's that. And also there's the whole thing where the th- where we're told it was a thing with him. The it, it ends up actually being Kelly or the, the specific situation that we're told oh. about where it was supposed to be with, uh, with the mom. He's with the daughter. Right. Right. So, but he was one of many twists. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He, he I, I would not have. He may not have, although I think it's still probably safe to assume he did. I think <laughs> Or, and if not, that she was trying to, because mm-hmm. it's clear that she is. She's trying to now. <laughs> yeah. So she approaches Sam about, uh, quote unquote, the senior car wash, which sounds like it's a whole event, but it's <laughs> they, two they girls just... show up at his house to wash his muddy Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For charity. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah, this is not explored. For ch- what charity? And he has a coupon that he's supposed to give them? What's, it's We never yeah. see this coupon or what <laughs> that refers to. It completely dropped because it doesn't matter. But it's also like, this is a weird MacGuffin to get things rolling. <laughs> My theory, the car wash is made up just so that, so that uh, Denise Richards can get her friend to show up at the house to establish one more witness of her being at the house. See, I think it's an established thing. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense as no. a thing. Because it pre, like, clearly the other girl is aware of this as a thing. And there's like, okay, we need to get the coupon. That's a thing that we do. It is the senior car wash. But yeah, I mean, obviously it exists in the movie to present, uh, to, to provide a witness. Well, you know, every every high school had this. You got your senior prom, you got your senior the big game, and you got your senior car wash. Well, the thing is, I do know of senior car washes. I even remember these being a thing and them being a fundraiser, but it didn't just involve two hot no. teens washing one teacher's car at his house. No, you had to drive thing. your car to where they were doing it. Yeah, no, they, they would do it at a parking lot at the school usually, and you, you'd have people come by, or you, you do it at a local garage or something. You, you don't yeah. you don't go to somebody's, you don't go to a teacher's house and just wash their car. That How are you raising funds? How are you raising <laughs> funds doing that? I don't understand. Well, see, the coupon, it's all about the coupon. <laughs> 
what is this coupon? coupon. I, I don't understand. Anyway, yes. they, they, <laughs> Nicole is the friend, and they're like, "Oh, you're gonna come up?" And she's like, "Oh, I don't know about that." He he acts like he's not interested in doing that because we're we're trying to establish his innocence here. <laughs> yeah, at this and at this point, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, he is trying so hard to not fuck Denise Richards, doing anything except being assertive." And of course, you yeah, know, it turns out as part of. Well, yeah, although it, it sort of plays both ways because she's she does seem to really want him. And I guess she does. And yeah. they have a whole thing. But he also seems to try. It, it seems to be a thing where he's trying to not be a thing with her anymore because it's starting to become a problem for him. <laughs> we, we'd find out she tends to not stick with the plan sometimes. Yeah. Although, again, how much of that is someone else's plan? I don't know. <laughs> it is true. So she wants a ride home, and he's really edgy about giving her a ride home, so he invites someone else along on the ride. Oh, yeah. He doesn't want to be alone with her. He brings Jimmy along. I thought this kid was going to turn out to be something, but he's not anything. He's just, you know, perfect witness to have in everybody's back pocket. Everybody knows him. He's sort of around everyone, and he he's the easy, innocent guy that everyone's like, well, I mean, Jimmy was there. He can tell you. Oh, gee, I really res- <laughs> respect Mr. Lombardo. And I also have a crush on Kelly, but I also think Susan's really swell. Man, I could vote yeah. for the innocence of all these people. I even it- like cops. <laughs> He he's a grown-up beaver from Leave It to Beaver. You know, he's he's just good with everybody. He's so happy for everything that Sam has done for him. And we don't really sail. know what that is. It's something to do with yes, yeah, sailing boats, boats. Uh, we we need to establish boats sailing. We do need to establish boats though. <laughs> so on the way out, they're they're driving away from the school, and they pass Susie. Her Volkswagen is broken down, and she. She's like a great mechanic. We, we're establishing that she's really good at fixing the car. And she obviously has beef or she's pretending to have beef with uh, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Well, she's pretending to have beef, but she's pretending not to have beef, but she does have beef. Yeah. my hmm. So I think th- hmm, I think they don't like each other for real but there is sort of a i mean there's an attraction there obviously mm-hmm. and i think it's mutual i don't know if but it's mutual it's hard to say i think it's mutual because honestly i wouldn't even know who you think isn't uh, <laughs> given the, the way, way things play out okay all right in, in terms of whose plan it is i don't know uh, uh, well i uh, think i think nev is aware of denise's attraction and uses that to her advantage but I, I think she's not into it. <laughs> I, I I don't know because it it is her who uh, has the whole uh, show up at at Sam's place idea. I think that's her idea. I don't think any of these are Kelly ideas. Oh, Kelly doesn't have ideas. Yeah. So why <laughs> would she be? Yeah. Why why would she bring her to the threesome then? Uh, so anyway. Uh, they they have you know a, a little fight uh, because Denise is super rich and uh, or not Denise Kelly's super rich yeah. and uh, Susie's super poor. Susie's super poor. She lives in a swamp. <laughs> she lives in a, in a trailer in a swamp. Her her best friend's the gator handler. She's kind of an alligator person. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and also, she uh, we 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 established that the that uh, Kelly's mom is hot for Sam. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. The pool boy that she's in the process of fucking when Sam shows up knows it. Oh yeah, he gets really territorial every time Sam's around. <laughs> the pool boy fucking hates Sam. Nobody the way, else cares I... about the pool boy. Oh yeah, the pool boy. Cool, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to call out the soundtrack. By the way, the the most nineteen ninety eight soundtrack. We've got <laughs> "Semi Charmed Life" by Third Eye Blind playing here when they pull up to Kelly's house. It's "Why Can't We Be Friends" by Smash Mouth. Mm. It's like let's just throw on big shiny tunes. What three, four? I think the, yeah, this is Big Shiny Tunes three. <laughs> no, Semi Charmed Life. That might have been the second i should know i i listen the shit out of those fucking crap ass albums and i kept buying them until like eight or nine. Ooh, i only had the first three that i never went past those but those three a lot four was half good half crap and then after that it just kind of went downhill yeah see that's kind of i i again it's we're we're at that sort of divide where i stopped watching tv i stopped watching much music <laughs> Yeah, you know, listening to indie stuff. Well, I mean, they 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 kept trying to censor Ed the Sock, so we left the thing. <laughs> is Ed, wait, right. is Ed the Sock still cool, or has he been canceled? Because I don't think Ed the Sock exists anymore. Okay. I, I feel like that hasn't been a thing in years. I mean, he's he's just like the Canadian. I, I I think he came first. He may have been before Triumph, the insult comic dog, but. He's been supplanted, you know. He yeah. he's the he's the cheap Canadian version, and no one cares about Ed the Sock anymore. <laughs> I used to love Ed the Sock. He told it like it was. Oh man, I bet he probably. <laughs> hmm. I, well, I mean, he was on YTV, so I think he told it like it was in a pretty family friendly fashion. <laughs> he was on Much Music too, at least for a bit. True, but he was he was on YTV. Is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also true. So yeah, he he has the part where he goes to he 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 drops her off and the the mom tries to hit on him and he's like I I gotta go uh, drive Jimmy home is the thing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, shucks, Mr. Lombardo, I wish I knew I would be such a third wheel. I would have never come along. No, no, Jimmy, we need Don't you, you for worry, this. Jimmy. <laughs> You're the only one who's gonna live through this. So we move forward to Sunday, where Kelly and her friend come by to wash the Jeep, and she really obviously stays behind to get it on with him. And like she is making it obvious to the friend that she's going to try to get it on Go with him. Go home. I'm going to sleep with the teacher. <laughs> it's like I'll get the coupon. Wink, 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 wink. I'm gonna help him find the coupon. And he's very obviously making a show of trying not to be alone with her. He does it like he comes out and she's like, okay, well, it's all washed. Let's get the coupon. He's like, oh, can I just like give it to you? And he's like, you know, the rules, like we don't know the rules. Excuse me. What coupon? What are you talking about? Yep. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's like, okay, I'll go look for it in the house. And she tells a friend like, you leave. I'm just gonna stay behind. Wink, wink, wink. Like, okay. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be hilarious if, like, the two of them got into a fight here, and the other friend ended up being the one who got to stay behind? 
<laughs> just fuck up yeah, the, the whole thing. Because they're both hot for him, very obviously. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, she she goes in and we don't see what happens, but she leaves with torn clothes. Mm-hmm. Like 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 we we see. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Um, we see her go in. We, we see, see her, her like being. She has hosed herself down, so her clothes, her white clothes, are completely see through. Yeah. And then it just cuts to her leaving with torn clothes and looking. I guess she's kind of trying to look upset. She's trying to look upset. She's trying to do a a Karen walk <laughs> out of the place. Like, well, I never, I'm never going back to this place again. I want to see the rapist manager. I mean, I guess we should talk about Denise Richards. I think Denise Richards is not not a great actress in in a lot of stuff. I I'd say she's the worst Bond girl of all time. For instance, Christmas Jones. Yeah, that's a Christmas Jones. I have to yeah. probably agree. She she's the all time worst there, and you know she's probably the worst part of Starship Troopers. I love Starship Troopers. I think it's really great, but she's not good in it. Mm-hmm. To be fair, she, she's she's the the one that like it's the other actress that you like in that one, of course. Right. So, I I would say that she's pretty good here. She's well cast most of the time. She's pretty good. This is a point where yeah, she, she's acting, but then it sort of works because she is acting like her character's acting yeah it got to the point where like here i still didn't realize that there was a thing with like a big complicated plot and i thought this was just a simple did he actually rape her or didn't he plot and right yeah and i was thinking like the whole time i was watching this i'm like now does denise richards seem fake because she because her character is lying or does she seem fake because denise richards isn't a great actress it could go either could, way at this the point. The whole time it can go either way. And I think that's actually kind of brilliant casting her in this role. Very good casting. And she's good in the scenes where she kind of has to be dramatic. Uh, they they're, they play to her strengths very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she works really well in this movie. I would say this is probably the best performance I've seen by her. Because it just sort of fits everywhere uh, there, there's no points where it clashes with anything mm-hmm. whereas that is sort of a problem i have she she clashes in james bond she clashes <laughs> oh, yeah. in the starship troopers <laughs> oh yeah and those are just like those are bookends those are movies on either side of this mm-hmm. so next day uh sandra sandra von ryan gets a call that uh kelly has skipped school so she calls sam she had to What's stop up, sam the pool boy to do this <laughs> right there, there there's a very explicit moment you watch the unrated cut i take oh it, yeah right? yeah of course yeah. <laughs> i i think this is probably one of the things that's cut in the uh theatrical or the the rated cut because it's a pretty intense sex scene with the pool boy that's totally fucking uh extraneous to anything in the movie <laughs> This is like, oh, hey, Sandra is just really banging the pool boy. And then she gets a call and then she calls Sam. I don't know where she went. No, no, never saw Kelly. Don't know what this is about. Mm -mm. Right. And this is where he's talking about, no, no, I'm just a one woman guy now. I'm done with that sleeping around with everyone in town. Oh, we we should mention there was another witness of uh, Kelly being at the place to do the car wash. Uh, right, Barbara Baxter, I believe her name is. Who mm-hmm. he is, his girlfriend, yeah, who he is actually dating, and she, of course, is like Kelly Van Ryan is washing your car. 
Oh my god. Yeah, so you know, we, we have another credible witness that she was at the location. So San please I loved how she finds Sandra like just angrily shooting clay pigeons. It's like, oh never mind, I found her. Yeah, we she we we find out she's really good at shooting, uh, which never comes into play. But you think it does at one point. Yeah, but, but it, it does kind of it, it's a weird way of it's it's a weird thing to establish to really not pay off, like super not pay off. Yeah, yeah. This is uh Chekhov just left this gun on the mantle. Sort of. I mean the, the gun gets used, but yeah, I mean it's true. I don't know. It's it, it, it it's a weird thing to establish that she's supposed to be a really good shot because that it really doesn't come up no. uh, but yeah she's she's doing her skeet shooting and she's really mad about something mm-hmm. uh and you know a- after a little bit of badgering she she says that she was raped by sam and mom just flips out yeah, she goes nuts. Uh, you know, she's the richest lady in town. This is not okay. Yeah, yeah, she is like the powerful one. She, she, her thing is like, my daughter does not get raped. Yeah, uh, my daughter does not get raped in Blue Bay. Like, this is not acceptable. I, I own this town. Yeah, yeah, she... She's like friends with the senator who I I think a senator or congressman who was the father of the guy who Sam or the girl, sorry, who Sam's sleeping with. Right. Yeah. She she knows everybody. She has all the connections. Barbara Baxter, of course, is uh, just, you know, very wealthy, uh, connected lady that he's trying to get in with. But uh, there's a thing with that relationship that feels like it's something that is running its course and that's partially why he's doing this too it could be because it does kind of feel like she's already already not into him anymore although it, it's also a thing where he's accused of raping uh teenagers oh. and he uh her dad is like nope you can't see him anymore yeah also you can't be at our country club or really anywhere in town yeah, I mean, he's fucking cancelled. Yeah, he is actually cancelled. Not like Louis C.K. cancelled where he gets a yeah. Netflix special. No, he's for real cancelled. He He's cancelled from this town. He really can't do anything here. <laughs> he shops, loses his house. Yeah, the shops won't sell him things. Yeah. So when uh, Kelly gives her statement, I feel like the scene sort of plays out in a similar way to the famous basic instinct scene, except... There's a woman present for it. Uh-huh. I actually haven't seen that movie. I just kind of know how that scene goes. I mean, you know the basics. Yeah. She's, she's they're not doing legs. Yeah, yeah. They're they're obviously not doing that, but she's playing them. Yes, uh, and she's very obviously playing them. It's just in this version, there is a woman there. You know, Perez, off uh, Duquette's partner, Perez, who is just like. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's making all of this up, right? It's like, come on. You, you see this bullshit here, right? Uh, I don't buy this, please. Are you guys buying this? You guys are ridiculous. Like, I completely buy this, actually. Well, and the, the obvious point is that the two of the... There's the two guys. There's, I think, it's Ray and their boss. I think, yeah, like the chief or the captain or something, or the sergeant. The one and, guy... Yeah, that guy who we see a bunch of times, who's sort of uh, 
sort of in charge of them and who they have. I mean, he, he sort of fires him later, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's like, stop being loose cannons for real. Yeah, you're off the case. In fact, there isn't even a case anymore. Stop working this case. You're off but, your case, chief. Yeah. Uh, but in this scene, the two of them are both just visibly turned on, and it's sort of intentionally gross. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're they're turned on by this rape testimony, and they're both visibly turned on by it. And uh, Perez is both like, okay, this is fake. This is erotica for you guys, and that's gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, this is where he she has uh, the the line about physical evidence, and is like, uh, "Did he complete?" <laughs> and he's like, his his catchphrase, his catchphrase that they've that. So th- this is a question I have because obviously it turns out that all of this is made up. Who made up the line? Whose whose line do you think it is? Which of the three? Um, Nev Campbell's character, uh, Susie. I think so too. I think this is her line. I, I think uh, she's sort of written this uh, in her script. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, so no, he didn't because he said no little girl can ever make me come. Yeah. So what this is supposed to do is like it's supposed to be a unique thing that like really nobody would ever say it, but also no two people would ever say it, and no two people could independently make it up. So Nev Campbell yeah. can say this later on, to so the cops will be like, "Oh wow, he did rape them both," because they're established as enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have witnessed to them fighting and being totally at each other's throats. When technically, there's actually a bit of an attraction there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I I do think this seems like a line that she would write. That I don't think, I don't think Sam's smart enough to make up any of this plot. You know, I don't think any of this is his idea. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> I think we don't we don't really see the formation of the plot very much, but I think it was a lot of her coming, doing the thing where you where she comes up with the idea, but makes him think that he came up with it. Something like that. I mean, I I would have to assume that she came up with it when she's cool in her heels and juvie and she was pissed off. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to get back at everyone. And I am sitting here in a jail cell. I got nothing better to do than plot my revenge. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the no little girl can ever make me come line, which is where Perez is like, this is bullshit. Come on. (laughs) You guys realize this is fiction. This is stupid. I I do think part of the line (laughs) is to just like, Make Sam look stupid by trying to establish that he would say this super cringe thing. Oh, I mean, it is a ridiculous line. But yeah, the boss is like, I mean, go get him. Go interview people. It's like, you realize that will completely destroy this man's reputation. You, This is such obvious fiction. He's like, yeah, but she's rich, you see. <laughs> do, we gotta do a police investigation, guys. Like, do You, you gotta nail him. Sorry. So uh, the the first person who goes to talk to Sam, even though everybody in town knows, is uh, the principal, Artie. I feel like I recognize him from somewhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen this dude and stuff. Uh, it's a guy named Dennis Neal. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, he, he's 
he's very understanding and he seems to have sort of a rapport with Sam that obviously Sam is abusing here. Uh-huh. <laughs> he he has to suspend him and he's like, look, I will absolutely let you come back. Uh, you know, once this is all cleared up and he's like, you know, that's not going to happen, man. E- even if th- things are cleared up. Yeah. No matter how things get cleared up, I'm not coming back. That's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very real thing. It's like, no, you're still done. Yeah. I mean, I'm completely canceled here. Uh, I'm going to have to go get myself a lawyer. And where am I going to get a lawyer that will work with me against the Von Ryans in this town? Well, you know, and the it- mall food court. Well, not quite, <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh my god. My favorite character in the movie, for sure. <laughs> I did not when I saw in the credits also Bill featuring Murray. Bill Murray, I was like, what? Ooh. Nobody Bill mentions Murray. this. As Ken Bowden and absolutely the best part of the movie. I mean, maybe people don't mention it because Saul Goodman is like a complete borrowing of this character. Like maybe <laughs> the, the makers of Breaking Bad owe royalties. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> this guy's like halfway in between Lionel Hutz and Saul Goodman. I love him so much. Uh, Ken Bowden, he's, he's in his fake neck brace <laughs> in his... Uh, a strip mall law office. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite bit is the way he's introduced. You know, he's uh, uh, Sam's talking to the secretary, and he just kind of peeps over the glass <laughs> that, that separates his office from the the front row. He has an <laughs> intercom, but she just shouts yeah. over the divider. <laughs> and and he likes to just sort of peep over sometimes. It's so good. <laughs> it looks like a little like groundhog sticking his. Uh... Or a gator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like a gator. Yeah. You know, he, he also is a... He is a gator. Uh, yeah, no, well, I mean, literally everybody is, other than yeah. that one cop. Yeah. And, and that but, uh, Billy or whatever, the kid. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's got this fake neck brace on. And you know, I like, saw the insurance oh, guy out the window, so... <laughs> no, he's like, I don't have to wear this all the time. Uh, there was an insurance guy here earlier and he tosses it off and it, he uh, we don't see it at this point but later on we see a part where every single photo on his wall is someone wearing one of these genius very good gag <laughs> oh man so uh yeah we, he takes the case yeah like, yeah sure i i will figure it out i mean you're you're you didn't do it right <laughs> yeah yeah he's like yeah d- they're gonna be digging up dirt but they're not gonna find any on you are they are, are they, they? <laughs> I, no, I, no i don't i don't have sex with my students which is a bold lie <laughs> a bold <face laughs> although at this lie. point you might believe it yeah the movie wants you to believe it at this point and i was no the movie wants you to question it at this point and i was yeah, I mean, the movie definitely is strongly trying to suggest that he is innocent at this point because he was shown to us as well as to the witness who was present to be resisting her advances in a couple different places. Yeah, but we, the we the audience, never saw the two of them alone actually at any point, I don't think, yet. No. So Sam goes to see his girlfriend, his rich girlfriend, Barbara Baxter, at the Yacht Club. Yeah, but he can't even get in the door. Yeah, no, I can't park your car, Sam. 
Like, what do you mean, man? <laughs> You've been fucking canceled, dude. Uh, the rich guy that owns the club, Sandra used the money, and I don't know how this rich guy factors into it, but he hates Sam now. Well, I, I think it's just straight up a thing like you're you're raping te- a rich teenager in my town. No, no, no. Uh, you can't be with my daughter, obviously. Yeah. And well, this yes. is Tom Baxter, who I don't know exactly what his. I, I assume he is a senator or something, or governor, or mayor. I don't know. But uh, he's the the father. It's Robert Wagner, by the way. Classic actor, Robert mm, Wagner. Cool. Uh, big TV guy. Lots of uh, main roles in uh, 70s TV. But I mean, Wagner, he shows up. Yeah. And, uh, like both of them show up. He, they, he pulls up behind him and is like, no, no. Yeah, you know, you're 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 finished here, Lombardo. <laughs> You'll never work in this town again. And I guess he probably kind of won't. Yes. Well, he doesn't. Well, I mean, he 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 certainly won't. I mean, he's finished. So uh, he goes over to Smiling Jack's Fish Camp, which is his favorite bar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, which is directly across from the Glades Motel, which is such a beautiful fake location that they built. Oh yeah, I love the green, like the like the green mm. neon light. Constant green neon light that just bathes the whole area. It's sort of set back in this sort of perfect. Uh, I mean, it is a set. It's not real. It's just a fake uh, front. Uh, uh, that they built, right. but it looks incredible. It's it's such a perfect noir edifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, and we, like we're kind of establishing it as a place that uh, we're we're going to have stuff there, but nothing really happens there yet. It's just I love that fucking location. <laughs> yeah. So then he's driving home, and he gets run off the road by uh, the Land Rover, the Range Rover. Yeah, driven which, by the pool boy. The pool boy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> hey, man, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, and they, he's, he jumps in and he fights him. Yeah, it kicks the shit out of him, of course. Yeah, uh, Frankie. Yeah, the, Frankie Condo. <laughs> Frankie Condo. Great name. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous name. Uh, her her kept boy. <laughs> so Bowden comes to see him the next morning. And like we, we see that. Everybody's been after him. He's going to have to leave the house. People have been throwing bricks. Oh, yeah, the, the drawing. <laughs> yeah, that's where you have that fucking drawing. Uh, of, the, uh, there's it's... a brick with a drawing of uh, him. Him, I guess it's him, like, getting a blowjob. Well, it's he's he's got a girl by the pigtails, yeah. you know, suggesting it's a child, you uh-huh. know, because it's a, you know, because he, he is accused of raping the teenager. Right. Uh uh, it, it, yeah, and it just has the word sex crimes on it. <laughs> I mean, very creative. Uh, this is good art that you wouldn't normally get on people who are throwing bricks through your window. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but Bowden has shown up because he's got some dirt. Oh, uh, yeah. Because uh, about Kelly, the, the year before her dad, we, we've we've talked about it before when she was talking to her mom previous to admitting about the rape or you know admitting quote unquote but, yeah the uh, dad had i guess uh committed suicide yeah like a year before maybe a year and a half and uh Bowden says that yeah she had this whole freak out right after he died went on a big coke binge uh they had to go pull her out of a place and ray not ray uh 
isn't this where the pictures were taken I think of this, Sam with her? <laughs> this would be yeah. He was involved. He, he, he was, was there. He was there. It's we don't. Like, oh yeah, I I heard about that. I mean, we don't we don't even uh, learn this until the like end credits. after the credits. Yeah. yeah, it's it's something that's just sort of a reveal in the montage. But yeah, he was there. It was him. So it it is after this that Bones like they're looking for dirt and they're not going to find it, right? <laughs> and he's like man i don't fuck my students yeah oh okay yeah that's right it's here yeah it, it, this is where it is but yeah it, it, it's <laughs> he, <laughs> he was the, the one it was him was there. yeah they're not gonna find the dirt but i mean he was the one there he was yep. involved in that instant but mm-hmm. whatever so ducat goes to talk to Susie. uh we we first see him talk to the proprietress of uh the gator world or whatever it is she hates the shit out of this guy oh yeah she has she <laughs> i love what she says to the cop is like i don't think she's armed yeah you won't shoot her will you well, yeah you, you can probably go find her at her trailer you're you're not gonna go kill her is that that's not the plan right yeah yeah <laughs> so uh th- this is where she like she's called him uh because right you guys do sex crimes right <laughs> good line <laughs> yeah that's a great line <laughs> you guys do sex crimes right very good she she's like coconut or like you know just really high and he's like you called us remember what the hell do you actually want no 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 uh th- th- that's a different thing that's oh. later on so she she's called him up and she doesn't she's being kind of cagey but he doesn't she's sort of like not immediately out with it but she wants to tell him that sam raped her too uh-huh. uh and he she drops the line on him yeah the, and he said uh no little girl ever made me come which you so know, she, at this point it's like oh my god this means that sam must have actually raped them both there is no other possible explanation Right. It is just like a smash cut to Sam in jail. Yes. Like it just he's arrested. The trial is happening. It's a huge media circus. Mm-hmm. We we kind of skip past everything. It just immediately crashes to that. Yeah. We go to Kelly on the stand. Uh, and I I like she's she's still playing her rich girl thing. Like, I don't think I, I feel like this is her getting a dig at him where her line at the end of uh, the the testimony is, he raped me on the floor of his shitty house. <laughs> and everyone's like, how <gasps> shitty is his house? This yeah, it's like, oh, it was a shitty house, though. That's the worst. And she's rich. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so so Bowden tears into Susie on the stand, of course. Oh, when just she goes up. Devastates her. Because as we'll later establish... The two of them are in on it at the top, the top of the chain. They are the top of the conspiracy. Which was a reshoot thing because uh, just test audiences really liked Bowden and they're like, ah, he's like the other favorite character of the audience. Let's let him be in on it at the end. Why not? This was the right So idea. many twists anyways. Why not? <laughs> I, I, my opinion is that this was the right call. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree. <laughs> So he he just sort of tears into her. Uh, we established this thing like, well, you called Lombardo all these times whenever he needed whenever you needed help. He was your friend, and then 
you say in April he raped you, but then May you got arrested. Who did you call for help? Sounds like you're still pretty good friends, huh? But of course, he wasn't there because yeah. it was summertime because, you know, so he was away doing something else because, you know, you don't teach in the summer. Yeah, but he was. Uh... He was with Kelly. <laughs> he was with Kelly, as we find out later. <laughs> uh, but she ended up having to spend six months in juvie. So maybe you started to get real mad and wanted some revenge for that. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she kinda, she just uh, flows like well yeah no i did yeah. it, it is all a hoax <laughs> yeah she's she like, just admits it basically like, well, yeah she's yeah. like it wasn't even my idea it was her idea oh yeah it was kelly's idea because she's so in love with him yeah and like she was just super mad at him because he fucked her mom yeah, because he's been banging uh, Sandra in the audience. <gasps> and Kelly flips out. She's like, you bitch, I'm going to dramatically throw a glass of water at you in the courtroom. She throws the glass of water. Big, big fucking scene. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And yeah, they, they the, have the to... mistrial instantly. It's yep. over. Everybody's out. Uh, in the car on the way out, Bowden's like, oh man, I'm going to get such a juicy countersuit. Mm, it'll be airtight. <laughs> yeah. And Sam's like playing it up. He's like, oh, I don't know, man. I think maybe I just want it to be over. No, no, no. Listen, we got to do this. <laughs> They're like uh, following the Von Ryan limo in traffic and beeping at them <laughs> yeah, and gesturing. It was great. <laughs> Having so much fun. Yeah. And, and like Baxter, the senator guy's like, well, she just committed perjury on the stand. Yeah. We're basically fucked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just need to jail, keep but... her out of jail, but that's it. Yeah. We're not going any further than that. So yeah. uh, uh, You're going to have to settle on this. That's just how it is. Yeah. So the, we, we go right immediately to that. That's where we see all the snaps on Bowden's wall of all the fucking <laughs> personal entry wins. Those are great. Yep. But also, we see him pull up in a brand new Ferrari. He's got this great white suit. Uh, he, he just immediately leans into it. He's He is so in. Uh, and the Von Ryans, of course, settle. Yeah. So, see you at the club. <laughs> Ken's just like, see you at the club. I'm in. Like, I'm in. He's like so excited. So, Sam obviously still has to quit the school there's there is no going back as he repeats to Artie. Like, well uh, you know <laughs> as uh, kelly's like throwing shit at him in the hallway and you know just making his life living hell yeah she she uh comes because uh the thing is sandra broke her trust uh to uh pay the the damages so the uh, the money that was planned for her to get in the future when her mom died uh, ended up going to Sam, so she's pissed about that. You know, she's that's her inheritance. Yeah, she was going to get that money at an undisclosed later date. Yeah, but uh, not now. But you know, later. Right. Uh, so yeah, his his uh, big uh, bowl trophy gets broken. <laughs> We've <laughs> seen a couple like times. A, yeah, I, I don't know what that thing is. It looks like a glass Stanley Cup. Well, it's it's like a big glass bowl, like a punch bowl, but yeah. it's uh, it's like to commemorate Teacher of the Year or some shit. Oh, okay. Anyway, it gets smashed. Yeah. Uh, 
so Sam's now living at the Glades Motel, where we, we established before. It's such a fucking cool looking location with all the green lights. Mm-hmm. And we, we just see him going, going in and uh, getting ready. And then, hey, Kelly's there. She's she's showing up to celebrate. She's got champagne. Yeah. Well, first she plays it off like she's pointing a gun at him. But it's like, nope, champagne. Ha ha. We did it. He he's mad at her when she shows up. He's like, "What are you doing here? This is uh, we, we can't be seen together." And then Susie shows up from the other room. She's got <laughs> champagne too. It's he's like, like, "Ah, damn it!" <laughs> I guess we gotta have a threesome. He says, "After tonight, the three of us can't be seen together." And uh, I, I I can't remember if it's Nev or Denise says, "After tonight." Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is. One of the two most famous scenes in the movie. The big threesome scene. Yeah, yeah. Now I want you two to kiss. I want you two to kiss. Uh, never let the sun down. Uh, never let the sun go down on an argument. <laughs> <laughs> and and he does the thing where he takes a souvenir of her underwear. You know, yeah. He pulls uh, her uh, uh, Kelly's panties off and puts them in his pocket. Yeah. And then he gets them to kiss. Yeah. So yeah, you know. So juicy threesome scene, very famous. And first big twist: the whole thing was a scam to get the money out of the trust fund that she can't access to till a later date and get it to of her course. now. That's yeah, what the whole she, thing she gets the money seems to be about now. Yeah, and to share it amongst the three of them because they're all kind of hot for each other. Yeah. So then, now Duquette kind of sort of becomes the main character for a while. Uh, and we sort of pretend that he's the hero. Yeah. He sort of becomes the crusading cop. Yeah, because, you know, he's like, oh, my God, they they got like a huge payday. That was the point of this whole thing. We got played. Yeah. He's like, I'm sure Lombardo's running a scam here. He, he's telling his partner about it. He's like, I'm going to go see Kelly. And he goes to see Kelly at the pool and he confronts her about it. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? I hate that asshole. I lost, lost all my money to this. And he goes to Susie. This is where Susie is smoking weed. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I could bust you for that. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> fucking weed cops, man. I fucking just problem. Fucking hate them. <laughs> and he's he's like trying to assert to her that Sam is planning to kill her. Yeah, he's like, th- this is part of his part of the plan because he's been recruited by Sam. Uh, and he thinks his goal is to drive a wedge between the two of them, or between the three uh, of them. And I also, he don't... does want to fuck with Nev Campbell. Yeah, he he does want to mess with her. I think, uh, like he definitely is unaware of her part of the scam. Oh, yeah. He thinks he's just in a scam with Sam. Yeah, he thinks the two of them are buds. But you know, this is not going to be revealed until much much later. Yeah, but uh, he. I, I think he's sort of here to just uh, create pressure to potentially like he he wants to scare her to create a crisis. He wants to uh, bring things to a boiling point. So they have to keep meeting up. Like the point is that they're not supposed to be meeting up anymore, but he wants to make her quote unquote suspicious so that there's reason for them to keep me- meeting up. Right. And, uh, right. Do all these further things. But, Anyway, yeah, it's uh, so complicated. <laughs> it really isn't that complicated, though. It's just repetitive. Okay. So, uh, this is the the important point here is that we hear about Davy. 
who Duquette killed. Duquette, yeah, Duquette killed this guy, Davey. Uh, we don't find out why. Uh, apparently, we're supposed to think it's like an accident at first, but he's not acting like it was an accident. I, I, I don't think we're really supposed to consider it an accident. I think it's just we're supposed to consider it a bad police shooting where he killed this kid and uh, it, it was just sort of swept under the rug because he was a poor kid, so nobody cared. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, Sam's deposited all of those funds in an offshore account. He's bought this 60-foot sailboat. Do, do you, you know, he's, uh, I I know you're in it with him or whatever. You know, what's <laughs> funny is that Duquette says to him, was like, you like sailing, don't you? Right. <laughs> this uh, is the only reference to that. Well, it's weird because we know he's a sailing teacher and that yeah. she has a history with everything. I don't know. The the whole sailing thing, the, that she doesn't know sailing or that she does know sailing, I I don't know. It's, it's, it's a... just an extra twist that they're trying to do that doesn't work. Like, who cares? It doesn't need to be there. But that's because, you know, twists, yeah, twists, sure. twists. Every, every moment a twist. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan came by, but he did, like, a whole bunch of cocaine. Yeah. So uh, she calls Sam... Uh, and then goes to Kelly's and Duquette follows. Uh, yeah. He follows her to uh, Kelly's Kelly Von Ryan's place. Yeah. So and this is the other big famous scene. Here's where I think uh, like the whole sex scene was manufactured by Neff because I think she intentionally yeah. led Duquette there so that he would see this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, obviously. Uh, she she is leading him there and then she has uh, called sam which is purely acting and sam knows it's acting and sam knows he's acting uh-huh. <laughs> the only person who doesn't know like the the people who are being misled here are kelly and duquette yes yes uh the, the other two both completely know what's going on at this point uh so she she goes to Kelly's and they're out back by the pool talking on the phone to Sam. Uh, them being out back by the pool is uh, intentional uh, from like a direction standpoint. It, it's sort of a thing where Nev Campbell's character is a director of a neo-noir movie in this movie. Like she is directing a movie. <laughs> it's It's her movie within the movie where she's. Uh, creating all of these uh, ridiculous dramas and scenes for people to witness. <laughs> it's true. Oh my God. She is totally yeah. doing that. So yeah, it, it, Sam calls and he's, you know, giving a performance of telling them to calm down. Uh, and they're, they're sort of having a bit of a fight in the pool, but it turns sexy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like at first Kelly's like, why are you here? You're compromising the whole thing by showing up. I'm scared. And like they, yeah, they turn it, it's a fight. And then she's like, looks her in the eye. You are, you scared, are scared, aren't, aren't you? you? Well, that that's the, I, I think that was even a trailer line. And, you know, if you see clips of this, this is where the scene starts, right? <laughs> the uh, scene, it's you are scared, seconds. aren't you? Right. But it is legendary. The two of them make out in the pool where, of course, Duquette is just in the bushes filming with a camcorder <laughs> like a creep. Yeah, he like wide-eyed, like legitimate looks, police work. Looks at the camera like I I need to make sure I'm getting this. <laughs> he fucking shows the tape to his boss. Oh, and his boss is like, there isn't a case. You are making a 
an, an underaged porn video with the in in like a rich person's backyard illegally you need to stop this you're off this case this case doesn't exist you're gonna get us all in trouble stay away from every single person in this movie my god stop it uh and and sam like that that is a really fun reveal where he's like i know he's in it, and he opens the door and sam is just sitting there right outside the door and he's like i'm gonna sue you man <laughs> <laughs> yeah and sam says to him uh sam's like you cocksucker and i didn't realize why this set him off so much at first but i i don't think he was pretending to be set off at this point no I, I think he was like actually like how how dare you say that about me? Wow, man! How dare you? How dare you? The twist, of course, is they are fucking. I I think so. I mean, again, that is one that is maybe. I I don't know if that is. Oh, actually, no, you're right. It's not true. revealed. I thought he was fucking her, but or fucking him, but like it, it was revealed to be Denise Richards at the time that I thought he was. Oh. Yeah, no, I I don't know if that's really a thing. It could be. It could. I, be I would say thing. there's that part where they where he's in the shower uh, that kind of looks like it, but I think they're just really bros, you know. It could be. It, it's hard to say. It's it's another there's, thing the movie doesn't show us. But it's it's again it's the beer commercial energy. I just don't think that that's something that is supposed to actually be there. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, but anyway, we, we have the big makeout scene. They, the boss gets so pissed off at him and, uh, <laughs> Sam is there and knows about it. So then we, we go to Kelly and Susie. They're out drinking on the beach at night. <laughs> the two of them are just hanging out all the time. They're besties now. Oh yeah. It's like... Cause they can be seen together. It doesn't matter. We we've established that they had this plot together and the, them being enemies was always a scam. It was like uh, just an act. And we established, I guess that uh, the guy's going to use his rich white guy powers to make her suffer no consequences. So mm -hmm. they really, they really can be seen together now. And that's just over. Yeah. They, they don't need to worry about it. And they, they make out a bit in the car. Uh, they're, they're just, uh, into each other now it seems and then mm. sam shows up and uh susie acts surprised he's like oh i figured we just have one last get together why don't you come over here susie uh away from where kelly the camera can see you. yeah <laughs> it's the most obvious red herring scene the most obvious point in the movie where it's like well we're just being withheld information as an audience here in a very obvious sort of way we he we see a wine bottle come down on and we something. See what seems to be blood spring, but it's probably wine. It doesn't look uh, like blood. It looks like wine. Well, it is wine. Yeah, because we know that no one was hit with with the fucking wine bottle. <laughs> and <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's a bunch of fake out there. I guess it's a fake out, sort of for Kelly's benefit, but really mostly for the audience's benefit. Uh, again, it's. Uh, yeah, I was Nev like, as the movie director, you know, I, yes. directing scenes. Yeah, the whole time I was like, mm, I don't think Nev Campbell's dead. I don't think he killed her here. It also doesn't work. Like when we see the reveal of how this was done later, it really doesn't. Th this is the biggest stretch of credibility because. <laughs> 
Kelly was like 15 feet away. They had this whole thing where she was pulling the teeth out with pliers. Yeah, it took a bit of time. It wasn't as it, it wasn't like a five second thing. We hear them a little bit away and we hear like one sound of uh, uh, ah, but and then she comes back with her wrapped in plastic and supposedly dead, which I like that's obviously for Kelly's benefit. But yeah, you know, how, how do you even they, they so they put her in the Range Rover in the back and I feel like this is just the biggest cheat in the movie. It's like I, I know that the point is Kelly is there, so it's her being fooled here, but it's really just to fool the audience and it's sort of a cheat just to have mm-hmm. Kelly there. Yeah. And they supposedly they we show them going to a swamp to get rid of her. And obviously he just like lets her off in the swamp and she leaves, but they do a whole thing where it seems like he's digging and dumping her, but Again, huge cheat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, we don't actually see what he do- what he does there, and Kelly doesn't go with them, so... Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, uh, Ruby, the, the proprietor of the, the gator farm, reports that uh, Susie's missing, and Duquette goes to uh, talk to her, and then he goes to talk to Jimmy, and here's where Jimmy has to come into play. Jimmy's pure innocence. Oh, yeah, Jimmy, he does show up again. <laughs> Mr. Lombardo doesn't come out here at all. Yeah, you know, no, this you know, this is just where you know, a sailing spot. You know, I, I really respect Mr. Lombardo. He's done a lot for me, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm not going to cancel him. Right. So the uh he's uh looking in the right spot on the beach because he knows where to look and he's brought Jimmy along so that he can see so Jimmy can see him find the thing <laughs> yep yeah because we have all there's there's all these scenes everybody has to have a witness along to establish it and as soon as he finds these teeth he's like all right kid i got stuff to do go catch a bus yeah basically <laughs> and i'm just thinking like wait how did he know exactly where to look and the, the first time and the second time i'm like what is yeah. the story of how did he know exactly where to look <laughs> He's just walking with Jimmy. He's he's it's like, just talking to a witness. Oh man, it's like what was that one serial killer? I think it was Ed Gein, where um, his brother like just went missing in the mountains, and yeah. they went to look, and Ed Gein brought them like immediately, instantly to where the body was. Yeah, um, I think that was Gein. Although that's a, that's one that it's debated whether or not he actually did it. True, it's not been proven true uh also this is where he drops the obvious trailer line it's like people aren't always what they appear to be jimmy remember that (laughs) (laughs) well well, that's a weird thing for you to say to me at this point sir it feels like he should have said that in the opening scene of the sex crimes thing because we've already established that nobody's what they seem to be in this movie it's just (laughs) he's I, i guess it's supposed to be an ironic thing where he's saying it and then we realize like a good 15 minutes down the road that he also is fake but i kind of always had a feeling that he was fake because he's so fake yeah i mean (laughs) after the initial i can't i don't know exactly where i started suspecting him but it was way before this yeah he's he's so obvious like there's that point where he sort of becomes the crusading cop or something like is he actually not the bad guy because he really seems like a scumbag yeah but then no and and of course this is where it, it all unravels uh he he gets a call from Kelly or no Kelly calls Sam first where she's worried. Uh, And he's like, okay, just stay in the guest house. 
and uh, don't worry, uh, you know, we'll we'll sort everything out. And uh, he he talk. This is where he talks to Perez, or I guess Perez has come to his come to his, his place. hotel room. Yeah, yeah, because this is where they do the they almost kiss. Yeah, they they do an almost kiss, and then he's like, "Here's a file on Kelly. You're gonna find out that she's actually really bad." <laughs> Well, he he establishes this thing about her being sexually confused, and that she's actually really hot for Susie, and that it's this whole, like again, I I would have to assume this is a whole dossier written by by uh, Susie. Yeah, Susie wrote this, not Sus- Sam. No. Sam didn't write this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he might have because he was the guidance counselor. He might have like had a file and then just embellished an existing file. I don't think he has the the smarts too. I feel like any psychological background for characters again, that's something the director is doing. Okay. That's Susie. <laughs> I I don't feel that Sam has a whole lot of agency in this film. <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. But yeah, he he's framing her. He they're they're setting about framing Kelly. Mm-hmm. So he's giving her this file uh and then Duquette shows up at the Von Ryans and he just straight up murders Kelly yeah like uh it's it's obvious even in before they reveal that it's a murder because we it's it's totally clear that he's the second one to be shot yeah yeah because we hear two shots first and then one shot after like a break yes (laughs) and he comes out with one bullet wound yeah on his arm and the the way things played out is like i don't really buy any of that that doesn't sound realistic and when they go to and even the police are like you're fired. You, you you can't work anymore. This this. I mean, where there's smoke, there's a fire, man. Yeah, like you're fired. Okay. <laughs> One time, accidentally killing a teenager is like, all right, don't do it again. But you did it again. Although they have the perfect dystopian uh, police bullshit. Where it's like, yes. Well, we we feel that this is a good shooting. You know, where where this <laughs> we teenager used... was murdered by a cop. Uh, totally unarmed like uh we've confirmed this is a good shooting but still you are terminated yeah only because you know (laughs) it's only already happened once right so (laughs) it's like the um oh not highway racer but the other one where it's like you know we didn't use excessive force we used the normal amount of brutality yeah he's a convoy buster of a sort that's it yeah convoy busters so we we go to the unraveling. Sam is in the Bahamas, and who should show up but Duquette in the shower, hanging dong? Yep, yep, yeah, definitely, definitely see some. Uh, you Kevin see that full bacon. bacon dong? Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, Sam is pissed at him. He's like, "Killing Kelly wasn't the plan. We were just supposed to frame her. That was, that was the whole idea. We just frame her, and she takes uh, the the rap." And he's like, "No, no, it was great. They fell for it. It was so perfect." <laughs> that's why so what what do you think was killing kelly part of the plan no i think it absolutely was not i think that was duquette's idea i think that's him acting independently because it said multiple times in the scene uh ray or no sam says it to him a bunch of times and then uh spoilers when of course I Susie think... is revealed to still be alive she says you shouldn't have killed uh kelly and you also shouldn't have killed davy yeah i th- Hmm. Yeah, I think it wasn't part of the plan, but Nev 
figured it might happen. And well, yeah, there, there was always a possibility. That's why she was killed, quote unquote, by Sam instead of by Ray. Yeah, she knows that she's safe with it. him because, yeah, she's in control of the situation with him. That's why they have to send the loose cannon at the other person. And hopefully he's not an idiot about it, but he's an idiot about it. Yeah, yeah. And they were planning to kill him anyways. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they've got their victory sail. Yeah, we're we're gonna go out on the boat. Uh, they uh, he he's like, hey, I need you to go crank that sail for me. Oh, I don't gets, do work. I'm on vacation. He's like, well, you're you're gonna have to learn to. And he uh, gets him over there, and he whacks him with the sail, knocks him off the boat, and it's immediately clear. And like, okay, Sam was behind it all. Yep, Sam right? was behind it all. He he does manage to get onto the boat, and there's a little bit of a fight, but he gets blow darted. Uh, spear gun. Spear. spear gun. Oh yeah, right. Spear gun. Blow dart. I mean, so, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, uh, Susie shows up from under, uh, from inside the boat. She's got a spear gun. She, she shoots alive. him through the leg. She's alive. What a shock! Really surprising. <laughs> uh. And yeah, she says you shouldn't have killed Kelly, and you also shouldn't have killed Davies. Shoots him a second time and goes overboard. So. The story's basically over, so we just have to have our lady cop find out and then tell us what happened. Right. Um, so we, we cut back to in town where Perez is talking to Ruby, and they're, they're sort of talking about the thing with Davy and how that went down and how Ray was crooked and shot this kid. And <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, I mean, that's how it was. The kid had a crush on his favorite sex worker. And, right. Yeah, which is which, why he killed him. Right. Uh, on on Ray's favorite sex worker. Yeah, that right. Is, uh, and I, I think it's, a st- it's sort of supposed to be suggested that maybe she's another teen or underage type. And uh, Susie witnessed the killing. Mm-hmm. So that's why she was put in jail, uh, yep. basically just to keep her shut up. Yeah, yeah, basically like a... Hey, don't say anything. This time it was only six months, but I could fuck up your whole life. Yeah, he he kind of like he he doesn't so much plant drugs on her as just uh, you know he he busts her for drugs so that she is out of the way and is discredited as a witness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then we we cut back. Or oh, there's also the thing with uh, uh, her, the the alligator handler guy having these fake teeth which i thought was really funny and goes nowhere it seems like you're suggesting that his teeth were pulled out for yeah. the thing but we know that they're not because we see her pulling her own teeth out later and it's it, just it this could, weird thing <laughs> yeah it couldn't be his teeth because they have to do the dental record thing they couldn't yeah. use his it's it's such a bizarre thing like that he's just like oh he found some fake teeth in one of the cabins and he's trying to wear them and he's like oh, not really fitting right <laughs> I, I thought bit. maybe he found <laughs> I thought maybe he found like Nev Campbell since she lost so many teeth would have to get fake teeth and she's like just tried a few sizes and left one of them behind could be know. or just like one that he because she left him her boat and she bought him a big truck. Yeah, uh, although I do like the idea of he just found them on the side of the road. Uh, yeah, I mean, either one is viable. I, I kind of like both versions of it. Cause, I mean, he's the weird guy who uh, trains the gators. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So Sam and Susie toast to their success. 
with some champagne or some or whatever yeah. they're clearly wary of each other it's it's one of these situations where all right i mean everybody else in this has died so yeah Sam are you gonna kill me drink and he's like, like come on oh my god i can't just kill you you'd have to teach me how to sail the boat first which we we sort of established that she does know how to sail and i don't know why sam doesn't know that she doesn't know how to sail i guess he never took her class or he she never took his class his sailing class but it wouldn't make sense because she already knew yeah (laughs) yeah so she does she does poison him he drinks the the poison and he 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 drinks the the liquor and it is poisoned and then you know she just does a thing with the winch and he gets bonked with the sail yeah uh because she was pissed off at him for uh not being there and it, it was you know the well yeah her him not being there is why she was in jail for six months yeah, whereas he might have been able to do something about it because she didn't actually do anything. She was innocent at the time. She was uh, drugs were planted on her because of this crooked cop doing this other thing. So yeah, it's sort of the linchpin of the whole thing. Uh-huh. Anyway, we we see Perez checking out Walter. You know the Gator guy's new truck. Obviously, he's been paid off. She's like, well, whatever. I guess this is done. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does. She's not pursuing it anymore. Because <laughs> that is the end. We we go to the credits, and then all of the flashbacks sort of give us a bit of fill in the blanks. Uh, while the credits run, there's uh Susie blackmailing Sam because she has the pictures of him with Kelly, mm-hmm. and where we finally find out that it this one time when when he wasn't there for her, he wasn't. He wasn't uh, fucking the mom. He was fucking Kelly. Yeah. So he was with Kelly at that time. So that that's kind of key. And you know, we, we see all the things that we've mentioned uh, as we've gone along. The thing with the teeth. Yeah. Uh, her introducing him to the cop. And was like, okay, go make a new friend. And he's like, don't worry. Uh, he'll definitely go along with it. He'll especially like the idea of killing me. Mm-hmm. And of course, finally... Bowden shows up in the Bahamas with a suitcase full of cash. He's like, <laughs> all right, I've got my cut. Here you go. Remind me not to piss you off ever. And that is it. This is a pretty fun time. It's silly as hell. It's ridiculous. Oh, man, it's it's dumb. Uh, I, I loved it. It's a very absurd movie. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's It's totally just noir tropes in 90s overdrive just <laughs> totally over the top in every way the the amount of twists is completely mind-boggling for how little's actually going on it, it really is just this pretty simple revenge plot that you've just withhold so much information <laughs> from the audience over the course of the movie that you have to fill in so many blanks in the end credits it's, oh it's weird well, we find out that uh uh Susie is the half sister of Sandra, the Kelly's mom, because I guess her dad fucked some random. This doesn't come up. Like Perez finds out about it, and then it's just like, oh well. No, I don't even recall. I don't know. Yeah, because it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't come up. <laughs> she finds out know. right at the end, but it like doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I, I don't even know. But yeah, that, that is pretty much it. Uh, oh, we also find out that she, Susie's like a super genius. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, 
all stupid extra padding like yeah she's really smart obviously she's been the person who's been pulling the strings the whole time Uh yeah Uh, so this is replaced in the stacks with black sunday black sunday i feel like i've heard that before but i think i've i've heard of a black every single day yeah i mean there's lots of different black sundays uh this is i mean we we did uh, Black Sabbath, and there's also a Black Sunday by Bava. This is a different one. This is this is a movie where a terrorist hijacks a blimp <laughs> to crash it into the Super Bowl. <laughs> hey there, blimpy boy. <laughs> it's uh, it's from the seventies. It's written by Thomas Harris, ba- based on a novel by Thomas Harris, the guy who wrote Silence of the Lambs. What? <laughs> and this is one of his earlier works. Yeah. Okay. I've read the book too. It's a weird it? movie. It's very. It's I don't know. <laughs> it's it's all right. Okay. It's very strange. Uh, but yeah, it's you know Palestinian terrorists, and uh, there's the the guy who pilots the blimp is Bruce Dern. Oh, okay. cool. Cool. Uh, you got Robert Shaw from Jaws is uh, the the uh, the military major who's trying to stop him. Nice, nice. Yeah, you know, pretty fun. It's very ridiculous and over the top. You know, someone trying to crash a blimp into the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that sounds like it could be a blast. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, pretty deep cast is directed by John Frankenheimer. It's very long, as I recall. <laughs> I think it's like two and a half hours. Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> uh, so any last thoughts on Wild Things before we move on to part two? You are scared, aren't you? I feel like I, I, I didn't mention it at the time, but yeah, this is another point where she's like, lurking in the the depths like lurking in the pool like a gator oh, yeah yeah with her head like it's a just theme they go to a lot mm-hmm. weird thing uh anyway on to part two and we're back for part two where we're talking about 1985 uh, 1985-ish maybe is sort of unreleased <laughs> sort of doesn't exist sort of exists a bootleg movie at the time uh bloodstream by uh, director Michael J. Murphy. This is the first one we're discussing from the uh, myth, magic, and mutilation, the micro-budget horrors of uh, Michael J. Murphy box set from uh, Indicator, which is pretty freaking rad so far. So I had never seen or honestly even heard of Michael J. Murphy until you started talking about him. To be honest... I hadn't either uh, until this set was announced. I was like, I've never heard of this guy. They announced it and they showed, you know, uh, there, there was a trailer that they put out with just a bunch of clips from all of them. I was like, I, I mean, I gotta, <laughs> what the heck? So, so the first few that are in the set are, if I recall, they, they're not complete. They don't, yeah. the full the, version of these movies doesn't exist anymore. Pretty much everything on the first disc is just a fragment. And I think, most of the stuff on disc two is a little choppy. Uh, and then it's it's really only in these, uh, like Invitation to Hell is probably the first one that is complete. Right. And I watched that one too. Yeah. And so uh, before we get into Bloodstream all that deep, uh, some quick thoughts on Invitation to Hell, which in a way, I like I recommended it to you because it sort of feels to me like Murphy's 
Bad Girls Go to Hell, like when we did Another Day, Another Woman, and we also talked about Wishman's Bad Girls Go to Hell, which seems like a more foundational text. And uh, I do feel like it is important here to inform this one as being the movie that he was making on VHS, and then he's doing this as a revenge movie against a distributor who screwed him as a director of a movie on VHS. Right. Oh, so that's how, that's how this uh, very specific story got made. (laughs) I think so. I mean, I have not dug into the uh, documentary special features on this set yet. So I I don't know for sure, but it definitely has that feeling, right? (laughs) Oh uh, yeah. I mean, like the whole plot of bloodstream is, He's trying to screw over an evil producer who distributor basically or distributor, okay, who stole everything from him. Yeah, who, who a guy who had released some of his previous films, I guess. Or and he's this is the video nasty era. This is a guy who's making movies direct to VHS that are super gory and that are homegrown. You know, he is in the UK and he's kind of letting getting them in under the system and they're coming out direct to VHS. Uh, and he's doing lots of stuff that copies from the big American films with the gore that was cut out that they're not allowed to show. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, this one's interesting tied up in all the video nasty stuff that we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely feels like maybe kind of a commentary on that era, uh, mm-hmm. especially well, taking place in that era. Mm-hmm. It's it's it is about <laughs> being the, one of those guys. You know? Yeah, I guess so, it's not so much a commentary on the era; it's more like a commentary of what he was going through at the time. I, I would say, like censor, we talked about censor. Uh, he feels mm-hmm. like he could be a character in censor. Like all of the people in censor feel like they could exist within the Michael J. Murphy orbit, which sort of is this movie. Bloodstream, that is, but, you know, obviously very heightened and ridiculous. Yeah, so a lot of Bloodstream is us watching him watching movies. Watching gore, you know, watching splatter stuff. It it does sort of feel like the whole movie is just a repository for a bunch of kill and gore ideas that Michael J. Murphy had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it, It even has a thing at the very end of it where... They're talking about to this reporter who's like, oh, well, I blame all the violence in TV and film. That's what caused this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to complain to my member of parliament. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly that. So regarding Invitation to Hell. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, I liked it. the, The acting felt a little off, but in the context, it worked because... The characters are all being controlled by a demon. Everybody in this house is directly yeah. or indirectly under this thing's control. It's kind of a Manos plot. It's it's sort of a Manos, the Hands of Fate-esque thing. Uh, I, I guess that's sort of a through line of all of these, uh, that at this point, I'm pretty inured to the style of acting, because this one lady, she's in all of them. Uh, <laughs> you, know, she, you, you watched Invitation to Hell, she's in that, she's... Uh, uh, I believe Judy, uh, Catherine Rollins, I think is the actress. Okay. Uh, the in this, you know, the the, the oh, secretary oh, the lady. Blonde lady. Yeah, or the the secretary lady is Nikki. Nikki. Uh, okay, so Judy is the Jacqueline... star who the distributor right. sleeps with. So Jacqueline Logan 
then is Nikki, the uh, uh, the the secretary, and she is in every single one of these, and she has the same exact flat affect in every single thing uh and it's it's i i like i'm i'm used to it now i kind of just like i guess that's just the way this lady is so it, it's sort of the, the that's sort of a, a thing with watching these in chronological order it, it's like you're you're it, it's the boiling frog thing i guess <laughs> i i don't realize how ridiculous it is at this point because i've just been uh just sitting in it for long enough and it's just slowly escalated uh yeah um she gets an invitation to this party but it's actually an invitation to hell because the house is haunted well the the house Uh, is possessed and they're all a cult and they're going to sacrifice her to their guy and what i love about it, it it is i mean again like bad girls go to hell it sort of is a lost highway thing where they you know she's taken to this thing and it's this sort of weird lynchian atmosphere where she's at this costume party but everyone's acting really bizarre but we're not sure if she notices they're acting bizarre because she's acting kind of bizarre because the acting is kind of bizarre Mm -hmm. and then you know they're gonna do the thing but then it just yeah it doesn't go off that night and it's like well you're just gonna have to hang around to get sacrificed another night (laughs) and then it's just this whole weird nebulous area where everyone's like well you can't leave because you gotta be sacrificed but I mean, what are we going to do? <laughs> you can't leave, but what do we do with you? Yeah, so it just becomes this whole strange thing where everyone's hanging out in a house and some of them are getting possessed and one guy is being doing all the killings possessed and then you know, at the end, as I mentioned, he gets crucified on a wall of pornography which feels very <laughs> pointed to the video era, video nasty era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I found it at points uh, genuinely unsettling, actually. Yeah, I think it has some interesting energy to it, and I do think it's sort of the definitive one so far in this set. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Bloodstream feels a little less like a a little less like a fully fleshed out product than uh, Invitation to Hell does. Which is weird because it's later, but it also was one that was never officially released by him. Uh, it, it only ever trickled out in a bootleg, and now it's come out in this set, which is posthumous. Although I think he was involved in the initial curation of the set before he died, something like that. Oh, okay. Maybe. I mean, they have full access to his home videos and stuff, because that's something that some of the pieces are sourced from in the early sets. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, like, it, it, they're so fragmented that big chunks of the first few are camcorder footage shot by him of him projecting the movies on a screen in his home. So they're silent because they don't have the original sound. And it's oh, wow. really, really <laughs> lo-fi. Yeah. Very fragmented. I mean, th- there's a reason he's... He, uh, hearing about him was a surprise to uh, myself. You know, I, he's <laughs> this stuff is really obscure. A lot of it never came out in, yeah, in a I real guess. conceivable way. I, I mean, the whole movie is a, the whole movie bloodstream is about how the movie bloodstream isn't going to come out. And it's it's such a shame to him because Bloodstream's a good film. It's a good it's film. A good film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is a good film. That's why I'm going to steal it and make all the money myself. Right. The I mean the the distributor guy William King. He is he's like a silent era mustache twirling uh, 
plutocrat villain. He's completely absurd. Yeah, every time we see him, he's doing something awful, like, or talking about doing something awful. Just like, oh, I'm going to cheat on my wife with you. I'm telling her I'm at a video conference. Yeah, he's just a complete scumbag in every single thing he does. Uh, and I don't tip my waitress. <laughs> he, he just completely sucks. But it's it's funny because our guy is pretty horrible. Like our 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 slasher our hero, hero, our protagonist, our protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> he no. he's he's not all there. Yeah, he's clearly mentally ill. And then I I don't know. I mean, it's it's sort of I it's hard to say what the politics of any of this is even this many movies deep into the set because it is always the same lady and it almost always is her ultimately as the villain like she she's got some kind of scheme that results in a bunch of people getting stabbed to death in every single one of these (laughs) somehow or another and usually then herself uh, even if yeah. she's the one who's doing the killings for most of the movie, which is some of them. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's a strange vibe. And uh, uh, yeah, I just, hmm. it, it's, it's so weird. It's, and so I don't know if it's like, she's the evil controlling woman. Uh, Cause that, that's sort of what you get from this, that she sort of attaches to him and it's it's supposed to be a romance but it seems more like it's mother boy uh (laughs) it it is mother boy it is it's like i brought you some new home videos or i I rented you some new videos to watch Uh, make sure you check them all out before before you come to bed it it had the exact same tenor as here's uh twenty dollars go see a star war when she shows up with (laughs) the the stack of vhs tapes for him and like now you just sit tight and i'm going to get the contract out of the safe for you and yeah their their relationship it's it's strange it's got a kind of a, a uh it does seem like she's in control but then he she just kind of loses control of him at the end and i don't know how much she's aware of in terms of the stuff he's doing in the movie and until he reveals it to her well i think what it is is they both are aware of what the basic plan is but yeah. they're not they don't agree with each other and didn't discuss the motivation for the plan Poor communication thinks- skills yeah, no, no communication yeah. skills. <laughs> she thinks this is a revenge slash fraud slash get the money that he is owed back plot. Right. Well, he thinks this is a serial killer art project. Yeah, make sequel to my unreleased film by getting revenge for it being unreleased. Yeah. And do it where... real so I don't have to censor it because it's all real. to the point where he's like legitimately offended that uh she got the money it's like and she's legitimately offended that he didn't destroy the evidence yeah they didn't talk to each other although she's weirdly into the killing like when when it finally comes out he's like oh yeah i murdered everyone i killed all of them i videotaped it all you know that that was kind of always my plan i was gonna show and it's like oh great that's cool but why do you still have it (laughs) it's like what yeah like murdering the entire family that's fine yeah but why do you still have the tape the tape's the point isn't it yeah the money's the point 
He's like, well, isn't that why you got me all those videotapes? It's reference material. <laughs> no, I got you all of them because... Hmm. Yeah, no, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, to pacify him, it just seems to be what he's into. Uh, <laughs> there's, there was a review of it that I read <laughs> that, uh, that uh, kind of spoke to that. Uh, I, where someone's like, where he just... Uh, you know, his film's been uh, rejected, and so he just uh, sits eating shitty food in his crappy apartment watching movies, and I'm starting to feel very targeted by this horror <laughs> movie that I'm watching, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, the first time he watches a shitty horror movie, you think, he, you know, okay, this is his... We're watching him become the Joker. He's, like, taking inspiration from this. Then he keeps doing it. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's sort of belaboring the point to an extent, but it's also just, I mean, I have all these ideas, all these fragments of stuff that I'd kind of like to do, and I don't really have a movie written around them, but I could just, like, do all these bits, and that would be pretty cool. That's going to put butts in seats. All of that stuff can go in a trailer. Oh, yeah. I bet the trailer for this was awesome. If if one had if it, existed, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess it needs to exist first. Yeah, I bet the trailer for this would have been awesome. Oh, right. And I mean, that's sort of the really fascinating element of Bloodstream, a movie about an unreleased film, because it's an unreleased film itself, sort of, except it got bootlegged and came out where this is a movie that the distributor stole it from the director and bootlegged it and put it out. And so he killed him. And it's it's uh, this whole weird meta thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not quite sure what to make of it because I don't know the story of Michael J. Murphy at all. So, yeah, I'm not really clear. I mean, I I think this was a, a, another cheap movie. I do think there was some sort of conflict with his distributor, and so uh, he he made this for like like five hundred bucks or something uh, after wow. his other thing got rebuilt. Like it was a very very low budget production. His stuff is truly micro budget he just knows all these people it's all the same people in all of the movies <laughs> they all exact act exactly the same way yeah, that's that's kind of amazing that he could do this for 500 bucks because while the special effects aren't great they're, they're certainly not terrible and there's a lot of them yeah there's a ton of lo-fi gore and it's pretty compelling for the most part like it doesn't look as ridiculous as most of the sov stuff i've watched and this is shot on 16 millimeter i think so it's a little higher quality than vhs it, it's uh, a little crisper it's closer to film uh the the number i've i've seen quoted is 400 pounds is the budget which that's <laughs> that's not much yeah that's like no yeah that's maybe like seven or eight hundred bucks maybe yeah, less yeah, than a grand. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know I say this every time, but it's like if I had a grand, I don't think I'd be able to make anything looks this good. No, no, certainly not. And th that has been an impressive element of all of these. Uh, even the fragments, a lot of it looks surprisingly good, and you sort of wish you had more of it, uh, especially his early student stuff on the first disc. Uh, just in the special features where it's really, really fragmented. They just have bits and pieces of school projects he did in high school and oh, wow. there's one that's a, a 
uh, fall of Atlantis with the whole like Atlantis drowning. And it's like, this shit looks incredible. I wish the whole thing existed because, I mean, it is incredibly low budget, but for someone doing it at a high school level and it being so homemade and it's a full scale Atlantis destruction thing, it's like, I kind of wish I could see the see all of it. It looks so amazing. Yeah, cool. I mean, I bet I seeing what he can do here, I bet he could. I, I bet he could do a good Atlantis falling movie. Oh, for sure. It it reminds me of J.R. Bookwalter in uh, the U.S., uh, the guy who did Dead Next Door, which is a, a big zombie movie that got uh, semi-financed by Sam Raimi and like Bruce Campbell does a couple voices uh, for characters in the dubbing. Oh, cool. Uh, and just you know, kind of one of those SOV kingpins. I've I, he he did this weird deal with David Dakota where he made six SOV movies all in one year. That are all some of them are <laughs> the quality is degrading as they run out of money on the budget for the six movies. <laughs> but you know, interesting stuff. Yeah. So uh, so we start out with uh, we don't know it yet, but a film within a film. Uh, mm. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on what happened yeah. at least because there's not, there's a, not lot a lot does. of point. Yeah. And there's not a lot of point to much plot synopsis in general, because it's more, yeah. there is a series of kills and also he watches videos and the weird fun <laughs> things exist in each of the videos. Yeah. The, the first one I think is probably my favorite one uh, where he's like the, the dude's tearing his face apart. Rad. Yeah. Pulling his face off. Yeah. And, and like it's obviously just like a latex face on top hmm. of his face but it's layered like there's blood underneath it it looks it looks good it looks gross it it looks very effectively grody for a low budget like better than most sov gore i've seen mm-hmm. and then then when he's burned it's got like this these hilarious like googly eyes that fall <laughs> out of his skull but I, yeah. I love it yeah there there's some good googly eyes in the murphy movies you, you get some really great ones in skulls and, you know, falling out of stuff. Yeah. And and after this, we see that uh, that he's a director and he's showing this to the distributor. And yeah. distributor's buddies are like, wow, this is actually really good. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this Impressive. is really good. I, yeah. You know what? This would be a cult classic. This has like Evil Dead energy. It wouldn't be there's, the next Evil Dead, but there's big Evil Dead energy for sure. And I think pointedly, it's sort of pulling from some of the big video nasties, right? You, you got some Evil Dead. You got some Friday the Thirteenth, big time. He, in there. he does the Exorcist in here. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> like, like so, some of them are like generic, and some of them are just him doing movies that exist. Right. So like William King starts negging him because he wants to steal the movie because he knows he can make a big profit on it. It's it's the it's the wild things issue where on a rewatch, you know, all of the the plot machinations and he immediately sets in to neg him because he wants to just steal the movie and get it for no money and make all the yeah. bank. <laughs> yeah, he's like saying, this is terrible. This will make no money. And I'm watching. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? This will make this will make bank. Yeah. This is perfect for this era. This is incredible yeah. for 1985 for home yeah. video. Yeah. And of <laughs> course he reveals his true colors like instantly. He's oh, like, yeah. I'm going to steal this and make and sell it myself. Right. And he has the whole thing about the contract where he's like, well, you missed the contract where it had the clause that says, if I want to, I could just declare the contract null anytime I want. And that's what I'm doing. So screw you. And he puts it in the garbage. 
Yeah, to be fair, you shouldn't sign a contract with a clause like that. That's no, that's a pretty shitty clause. But hey, I mean that that's the 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 wild west of uh, VHS distribution in this era. People got screwed all the time. Oh, sure, I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I, I like I watch a lot of exploitation cinema from this from the seventies and eighties, and uh, every time you watch one of the behind the scenes documentaries everyone's like oh yeah and i mean the distributor screwed me and the producer kind of stole everything i think i've been reading uh the nightmare cinema book which is tremendous resource for uh the american regional horror and pretty much every chapter he has an interview with like a a major director of that stuff and Every single one of them is like, oh, yeah. And I mean, the distributor screwed me here and the distributor screwed me here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I believe it. Yeah. It, it and... seems well observed. So actually, you, you watched Invitation to Hell. Did it have the fiery logo at the end with the production thing? Oh, shoot. I don't recall. You didn't look? Okay. Because I, I, I when when it comes up at the end of bloodstream in bloodstream where you know they're watching it in the office it has the william king production and the flames and it's like man that looks extremely familiar i feel like i've seen that on a few of my previous ones but (laughs) i didn't look back that's right in like the middle earth font or something yeah yeah exactly yeah uh oh shoot no i didn't think to check for that Hmm. um yeah so he's Alistair, our protagonist, the director of the film, is like flipping out. He's like, "You thieving bastard! You thieving bastard!" As he's bloodstream is a good film. <laughs> it's a good film. As he's getting escorted out of the the office by like thugs, and the secretary watches the whole thing happen. And she's into him. She's like, "Oh, she's... he has integrity." <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why she's into him. Uh, well, I, I think she does know that the movie uh, is very marketable and also maybe that he's kind of deranged and can easily be targeted. Uh, I, I think she overestimates how easily he can be targeted. But this sort of this is a, a, an understanding informed by having watched all of the previous ones in the set where she is usually the schemer who does all the things and it still ends up backfiring on her in most cases. She, she's trying to be the Susie of this film. Yeah, yeah. Not good enough. And she doesn't, well, she's she's trying to be Susie, but again, she's Lucille Bluth. She's like, uh, <laughs> here, here's $20 and some fucking VHS tapes and a box of pizza. Uh, go commit some murders for mommy. <laughs> it's very strange. The, the energy between them doesn't ever really make a lot of sense, but I've gotten used to just that's her energy with every single person I've ever <laughs> seen her with, so it's just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's a kooky lady. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Alistair goes home and and he's watching the TV and it's like, it's a zombie thing this time. Mm. Um, Slipknot like zombies. Yeah. And as he's watching it, like all the shit that the distributor that King was saying is like playing in his mind. Uh, like, oh, and it's his- rubbish and yeah uh, it's it's both uh, all of his complaints and also him yelling back at him mm-hmm. uh, all of his his rebuttals of how uh, again we hear in bloodstream the film bloodstream is a good film <laughs> so many times <laughs> well, they literally are just playing back the audio from from yeah. the scene before and it is the scene we just watched ago. it yeah yeah <laughs> it, over it labors the point zombie thing and 
like I get it. They're trying to show that he's going to become the Joker. That like he's being traumatized by what he's heard, and he's building up to violence. And again, yeah, if they were doing it in this scene only, if they didn't continue yeah. to do it in every single scene for the rest of the movie, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like I thought this was going to be it. <laughs> I've actually counted how many uh, different movies there are. There's a bunch, and they're all cool. <laughs> Most of them are cool, yeah. They're probably the my favorite part of the movie in a weird sort of way. Like it, it, the the bloodstream kills where he becomes bloodstream, of course. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> they're they're pretty good kills. Pretty mostly, good. yeah. Mostly, the movie kills are generally better. Yeah, because they're fucking rad. They're they're so absurd. They're really over the top every time. They're so gory. Uh, just him doing weird post apocalypse stuff or zombie stuff. Oh yeah, well this zombie one ends with uh like his chest is open and they're ripping out pieces of it and eating it. Yeah. Uh it's it's rad. And it would totally get banned by the video nasties. <laughs> As a yeah. video nasty. You you couldn't have cannibalism and zombies. That that got so much stuff banned. <laughs> so after after the zombie film, we cut back to King being a dickhead to somebody. And then back to him watching another film. This one is like the Scarecrow from uh, Batman. Uh, right. You got kind of a Scarecrow people. guy. Uh, a slasher movie. Basic slasher type. Mm-hmm. More cool gore. Yeah, he uh, puts an axe on the top of somebody's head. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be he axes into somebody's head. But yeah, they uh, <laughs> budget restraints. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we cut away. We don't see the impact, but we see we see the result. And it looks fine. It's fine. Gore. I mean, it's it's, it's extremely gore. low budget gore. They, it's, yeah. it's incredible how much he stretched the tiny budget uh, and the, the just generally the tiny budgets he's had. So I'll, uh, I'll explain. Like, yeah, it's it's back and forth. You see the office, this guy being an asshole. You're establishing that he totally sucks. He's sleeping yep. with this lady and the secretary knows everything. She knows all his secrets. Yeah, yeah, and she's, uh, I guess, decided at this point that she's had enough, so. Or she's decided that there's this guy who is a pretty easy uh, missile to target and mm. is obviously already totally deranged and, uh, you know, has a viable product with which uh, she can make a lot of money instead of this shithead distributor. So it's like, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's point him at the distributor. He's already ready to go. They had to <laughs> haul him out of here. Uh, now, in between, we we cut back and forth like five yeah. times because when Pointless. she realizes this, <laughs> it's like we're on movie number six when she yeah. makes this realization. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's back and forth a million times. So we've got yeah. the movies, which are interesting, and like we could talk about the specific movies as a block, but going back and forth is completely unnecessary. Uh, it, it all comes out like he's he's sleeping with the actress who he forced on the guy to be in the movie and he hates her. Yeah, uh, there's another actor who's like the golden boy actor, like, right, who's completely owned by the distributor. And he was forced to be in the movie, too. Yeah. Hates him. Uh, we also learn about all the individual members of his family who are just awful they're, they're all bad and he hates all of them and everybody hates like, each other <laughs> the 19 year old girl is a model and she's a model <laughs> yeah she's a model and she uses her dad's influence to get modeling jobs i'm like oh 
Okay. Yeah, that's that's yeah, th- that's that, the industry. Yeah, there there are some a lot of that we get through the POV of Nikki when she goes to tell Alistair all of the sins, and some of it's like, I don't really get what your beef is with that person, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, like because it extends to uh the dude's family, his yeah. wife, who is the dude's wife is a victim here. Like, completely a victim. Because the dude's already cheating on her with the actress, and we don't see her do anything evil. Yeah, I don't think she does anything. It's just, uh, she's she's another vector to get at him. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> that's what Nikki even says. Like, I couldn't find much information about the wife, Sally. All I know is that she used to be a model until she married William King. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, models are bad. Models are evil. Uh, people who, I, 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 again, like there's the lead actress and the, the lead actor who it's just they hate them. Uh, they work for him, so they hate him. So they hate them, yeah. and uh, it's it's also sort of on Alistair's side. The issue is the encroachment on his artistry. It's uh them being something that is forced into his movie, and they they cheapen his artistic vision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might so, have had he he might have had like the ideal person who he wanted to work with for for this film, like a Swanberg, or like uh the uh Bruce Campbell as the main character in Crime Wave. It was he was supposed to be the main guy, but the distributors wouldn't uh, let Sam oh. Raimi use him as the star of the movie. Oh, what? So they had to hire some other guy and recast him in a smaller role. Oh, that's I mean, that, yeah, that, that's shit that happens. Yeah, so, yeah, after briefing briefing him about the kill list mm. and the quote-unquote reasons for all these, he's yeah. not even really paying attention. He's watching a movie! He's watching a movie! <laughs> like, like, he's literally watching a movie while she's saying all this stuff. Look, and... if there is a scene where he is not murdering someone or where he is not... Uh, in an office yelling bloodstream is a good movie he's watching a movie that's the only two things he does yeah yeah she's like in fact like we interrupt the exposition so that the audience can watch one of the movies with him you got it they're so cool (laughs) and then uh yeah when it's done she's like okay can i get back into it now this is the wife this is the daughter yeah um anyway we aren't gonna kill them right away i've got to do all my shit i'm gonna go and do all this espionage stuff get the key get the combination to the safe uh, do all this thing forge his signature listen in and record phone calls you just watch movies yeah and they do that she steals the she she breaks into the safe she gets all the information she needs to know and he slowly starts to move towards killing people like he slowly starts to rise up from the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I love his chair. It's like such a TV watching bachelor chair. It's like one of those ones that's really low to the floor and it doesn't have legs. This is like a classic Al Bundy chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know his bed is just a mattress on the floor. I don't know if he sleeps on a bed. I feel like he sleeps in the chair. He falls asleep watching scuzzy horror movies. Well, she apparently sleeps with him at oh, his yeah, house. Oh yeah, that's right. There is that and one time where she comes to sleep with him. I don't 
imagine they would do it on the chair, but maybe they did. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not a thing we see. They they don't yeah. really do sex in these movies. Yeah, no, we they only ever imply the existence of sex. Yeah. I mean, I guess when when you're working with just a stable of people who are your friends and who just hang out with you all the time or in all of your movies, it would be awkward. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the movies we're going to talk about in the next part, it does get awkward. Yeah, or I, I think we might just talk about that at the end of this part as a supplement. So, because yeah, yeah. I don't this, think there's going to be a ton to talk about here. It won't take us long to get through the plot of Bloodstream. Because we're, we're getting to the point of the kills now, right? Yeah, yeah, we're at the kills, I think. She has sewn him a Grim Reaper mask and no, no, uh, costume. No, 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 she has not. That is the costume from Bloodstream. Oh, okay. That's oh, the costume wanna... of the main character. He is becoming Bloodstream. He's becoming his slasher character from his movie. Right, right. She acquires the, but she gets the costume for him. Yeah, she retrieves it from the from like the studio. Yeah, which yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he's gonna start killing. They they pick the one weekend where he's like, "I'm going to cheat on my wife by pretending I'm in a video conference." While she's out of town, I'm going to have the actress over and fuck her. Right. And that's 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 when all this is going to go down. When they're meeting up at the restaurant and she's telling him, like, this is the weekend. This is the weekend that we have to do it. Here's the plan. Here's the timeline. He is just like completely off in his own world, like, just looking at people. She's like, what are you even looking at? He's like, people's faces. I'm just looking at people's faces. Yeah, he's uh he he is never paying any attention to anything. He's completely distracted. He is totally in his own world. These two are never on the same page. I I kind of love it though. Okay, so I th- the first kill is the workout guy. Uh the guy who's like working out for like god it feels like so long. He's just lifting weights, doing chin-ups. So is this the uh, actor? This is the actor guy, uh Greg. Uh, he's finally, he like sits down on a bench press and Alistair comes up in his full Grim Reaper outfit. First, he slams a weight down onto his dick. Yeah. You got to get some dick damage. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then he moves behind the bench press and he like pulls back the thing that you're supposed to rest the dumbbells on. So he can't, uh, he can't set it down. And then, you know, he crushes it with the dumbbell Yeah, or the barbell. Yeah. Uh, basic stuff. Actually. Not as interesting as some of the movies, but it's the first one. And then he, you know, he's put a bunch of drugs in the ashtray because I, you know, got to do all the all the framing stuff, all the setup stuff. Mm-hmm. So after this, he calls he calls Nikki. He's like, I'm scared. I killed him. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm really scared. And I had a bad dream. So killing next is he's going to kill the daughter. And I guess the daughter's boyfriend too. Well, while they're at it, uh, this one he he somehow got into the house beforehand and like set up this whole super long extension cord in the bathtub that nobody noticed. Mm-hmm. And this is where he electrocutes them. This is where he electrocutes them, and then like films her being electrocuted in the bathtub, and then stabs her with the sword that he found in the house. Yeah, so that that is the other main thing is that he's filming all of these as snuff films each time he shows up. He sets up the camera uh, in like stationary on a tripod just to film mm-hmm. the death part. He never really films any of the setup or any of that. 
Yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he's making his movie. He's making the real Bloodstream or the sequel to Bloodstream. Mm -hmm. He's making a bloody good film. Um, oh, this is right. The fucking dog. Oh, yeah. The, the dog. That, was, that one's like the the kind of I like I'm, I'm surprised that the movie go there goes there. I mean, they don't show it, but we do. They do show him like covering the dog in gasoline. And then, yeah, they show him lighting a match and you you hear the sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, he he takes a chainsaw and chops off the head of the brother-in-law, which uh, I like this effect. That was pretty good. Yeah, good, good decapitation effect. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, he fucking he kills the dog. Tortures <laughs> the dog, uh, and that when he uh, comes when when he's telling the lady about all of it later, he, the dog is the only thing. He's like, oh, I did uh, kind of. I I, I yeah, sort of felt went, bad about the dog, but I couldn't resist the effect. Yeah, he went back and forth on it, but he's like decided, you know what? Yeah, I, I got to do the dog. Uh, he cuts the wife's throat with a, one of those like tur electric turkey carving things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, there's the actress. Yeah, he gets the actress. He gets. Uh, oh, oh, God. Yeah, the actress, he. She's like looking up and screaming and he plunges the knife like directly down into her mouth and down her throat. Yeah, because he really hated her specifically. Like he had particular beef with her. I hate your voice. Yeah, he, he's got just a real particular issue with her. Uh, I, I think potentially just as a woman interfering in his man's art. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yeah uh yeah and so you know he and, and now he has all his film and he sets all of it up in a projector so he can show william king what he's done before he kills him yeah so he and he does he shows them all the he shows king all the death scenes and he narrates all of them and yeah he's like this yeah and, and again it's it's kind of like that uh second scene where it has the echoes of everything that happened in the first scene it's like we just watched him kill all of these people and now we yeah. watch someone watching him watch watching the movie that he made of him killing the people and he says all the things <laughs> that he said and the stuff that he did and it's like we know we were just there we saw it we, we were yeah okay i mean there were good effects we could see him again that's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh king tries to escape of course alistair catches him and uh he takes the gun because they had pulled the gun king had a gun in his safe and they had pulled that out before starting the whole killing spree he puts the gun in king's mouth and blows it up and we get like this beautiful beautiful i guess beautiful shot of like a big blood splatter all across the portrait of the daughter a splash a splatter all over the place and then he finally has to go tell her uh it's what we were talking about earlier. He goes back with the film turns like, look, I've made my masterpiece. It's like, why do you still have this? <laughs> yeah. Why do, why do you still have this? Anyway, here's the check for the money from Bloodstream. And he's like, what? Check? I was doing this for Just art. like money. <laughs> <laughs> You're the same as all the rest of them. Which is totally out of line uh, <laughs> in many ways, because... It, it, there was no point at which she wasn't saying that she was going to not get the money for Bloodstream. The point was she, he was getting ripped off for Bloodstream and they were going to get the money he was owed. His reaction is completely inexplicable in every sense other than that he's just a deranged individual. 
Yeah, he he's like he's like you you're just the same as the rest of them. You want to burn me. You want to burn me. And he chokes her to death with the film. With the film. And honestly, like the look on her face as she was getting choked, I, I kind of wondered if she was actually getting strangled here because No, I mean, that's that, why she's in these movies because that's what she's really good at. <laughs> she fuck. she she she, she does a good death scene. I've seen her do a lot of them now. <laughs> she, she'd be doing them in these. Yep. Um, and then I, they should have the ended the movie with this because, like, he's filming, killing her, and then he puts on the mask, looks at the camera, and says, "Cut." Mm-hmm. And here's where the movie should have ended. Yeah, and then we have like other people talking about stuff afterwards. <laughs> it's like, uh, so. And then the movie ended, and then, uh, you know, uh, here's all the stuff that happened afterwards. I'm like, man, I don't care. I blame I blame violent film. Yeah. And then we cut to him in jail, uh, just looking at the camera and said, just wait till I get out of here. I'll make a bloody marvelous film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hat on a hat. It's too far. <laughs> it, we, we don't need the, the two extra bumpers. The cut is the perfect ending. It really, really is. Now, um, do, which one, which that, version did you watch? Because I think there's uh, two different cuts in this set. Uh, I watched the director's yeah, cut. Yeah, me too. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know um, how much, like, which stuff is not in it uh, or, or what's if there's added stuff. Well, the, there's the difference in the runtime is just one minute. And it says that in the original cut, the quality is less because it's taken from the VHS. Because it was a bootleg. Yeah. And in the director's cut, he actually replaced... He replaced uh, the, the names. That's right. The the or, names and voices. Uh, and I... But I, there has to be something different in terms of the runtime, though. It, it's, it wouldn't just there, be the voices. Would. I wonder. I wonder if there's... I wonder if there's like an extra film. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, actually. Um, yeah, that's the so that's the story behind Bloodstream. Um some of the movies are pretty cool though. I, I liked the hunchback one with like the melty face makeup. All of it is so good. Like it, it is kind of astonishing how consistently great all of just the crazy gore movies. It's like I kind of want to watch all of these movies, but I know none of them actually exist. <laughs> yeah yeah like it, it kind of feels like it's a it's a clip show with just this whole fr- yeah the whole murder thing is just a framing device to tie it together but but i understand these aren't actually clips they were all just made it, for this. yeah that's sort of the damnedest thing about it there it's it's just like i guess a bunch of spare ideas he had or maybe they're like bits that he hadn't used for things but yeah it just it, it almost feels like it's him making a movie that's a demo reel <laughs> kinda there are 13 films yeah. in, in yeah, this just, and and we watch like a couple minutes of most of them they take up at least half of the movie i was going to check the runtime because i guesstimated about 60% of the of the movie is these movies within mini the movie films. I, I, yeah i'd say that that's probably about right they they really tone it back in the last half when the actual killing starts right. maybe it's just there to like <laughs> so that we can watch killing at a time when it doesn't make sense for there to be killing. I mean, it could entirely be that. It's just making sure that there is gore in every sequence. That just, you know, we're constantly having something going on of that nature, even though we haven't gotten to the killings yet. But, you know, I, whatever the reason, it does work. It's a good time. It does. 
<laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, it's not unlike uh, uh, Andy Sedaris's uh, sex position, where you know, anytime you're going to have people talking about the plot, you better have someone with their top off, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <sighs> but yeah, a pretty good time, uh, and I have really been enjoying the Murphy box. It's 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 a particular flavor, and you know, this is a pretty good example of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange. I, it's really weird when they're not horror films. When they're just like a romance drama, <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, see, that's kind of what I thought based on your descriptions of the first few that we saw, or that you mm. saw rather. Um, a bunch of them seemed like they were just like romance or slice of life movies. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't realize like he was going to be like such this kind of horror director yeah and he he's kind of best known for the the horror stuff but he also made the tristan and isold story like four times <laughs> yeah i saw like there was one on the bloodstream disc and one on the invitation to hell disc and there's more of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there, there's in the the first set it's one of the fragments uh there's uh it's it's the next film in the set too yeah i don't know <laughs> and there's this there's yeah. that one stay which is just this guy goes to greece and he's dying of cancer and he romances his landlady all right and that's that's <laughs> that's the plot of the movie it's just a it, it it's it's the lady you know it's nikki it's her of course i mean who else would it be yeah well, well this one's like a nice um i think like like, you know, you go to a restaurant and you get like the sampler plate with like a little bit of everything, a little bit of all the appetizers. You'll have like a bit of fries, like a couple of deep fried pickles. Yeah. Denny's had one of those. Yeah, yeah. That's what this movie feels like to me. Yeah, it's and I'm into it's, it. Or, or like I said, a demo reel. It feels like a good introduction yeah. to Michael J. Murphy's uh, overall horror aesthetic. Yeah, it's a pretty good time. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a bit about art history since we did uh silver bullets last week and both of us watched art history yeah both of us watched hi art history i don't think we could do a full episode on it no but i would but like to I talk think a bit there's about enough it. to talk about yeah and we five minutes won't be no enough. five minutes isn't enough and it's basically just we're not we're not doing a plot synopsis for this again like again like with the bloodstream it, <laughs> there there's is no point no, there, it's it's just uh there, there's one plot that happens yeah so it's uh like silver bullets it's a movie about a movie but this time it's just about you know we've got swanberg again as an independent filmmaker this time he's a guy named sam and i i thought at first that he was just going to end up playing the same character as ethan but there is difference he's fairly different he's kind of much more justified in this up until the end uh and yeah. even there it's i i he's uh he's not the villain that he is in the first one he's uh, yeah. there, there's more of an obvious reason for why he has slowly gradually become jealous and it's not really him doing that in the first like he's not he's being pretty good about it for a while mm -hmm. <laughs> the plot of the movie is he's basically making this i guess it's a romance film with like these extended really up close sex scenes yeah i i might even just be one sex scene that they're elaborately doing and it's a very graphic sex scene that they're doing for this independent movie and it's it's the same situation as the last one where uh swanberg's character the his girlfriend is his lead actress 
except in this one mm-hmm. he's not the lead actor he's got this guy uh kent osborne is the name of the actor uh his, his character is eric 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 yeah yeah he's the lead actor and the film i'm not really sure what the film is actually about no it doesn't really no. matter and it's just there is a cast of five people <laughs> <laughs> of those five, three of them do things. Yeah, I mean, you you've got our you've got Swanberg as the director. You've got the two lead actors, uh, Josephine Decker and Ken Osborne, and then Adam Wingard, uh, who I mistook. I, I kind of conflated him with uh, uh, Ty West last week because he's the other guy who works them on these things. Both all three of them did VHS. Uh, Adam Wingard is the one who did Blair Witch. Okay. And other stuff, and so he's the he's the cameraman on this, uh, and then Chris Swanberg, who is uh, Joe's actual wife, is playing his wife, the the cameraman's wife, who's I guess the makeup lady as well. Yeah, uh, I get she she exists because they need another person. Yeah, uh, their names are Bill and Hillary, by the way, which is funny. Oh my fuck! Do you, do you catch that? I thought that was kind of cute. I didn't catch that, <laughs> but I caught that now. Uh, but yeah, so they, they, they're, they're. I did not have sexual relations with that woman in this film. I'm the only one who did. Yeah. So it's it's a really uh, the reception on Wikipedia, New York Times called the premise tediously obvious. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's 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 following from the previous one there. Uh, the the two actors doing the sex scene uh, become attracted to each other, which is uh, obviously difficult for the director, who is slowly becoming jealous of it. But it honestly takes him a surprisingly long time to get jealous of it. It does, because when they have sex, like so what happens is like after they're done filming, they, they just stay in the bed and they're just talking, basically continuing the conversation that they were having on film that was improvised. Mm-hmm. So like it's like their actual lives. So they're just continuing that conversation and they end up having sex. At first, Swanberg just watches. He's like, all right, I guess I'll just turn up the volume on the. Yeah, they're just editing in the the next room. Uh, He and the cameraman, they're just right there. And both of them are like, uh, (laughs) and he's like, (laughs) okay. And so they turn up the volume and then. Uh, the I I don't know if they actually have sex. He's going down on her. And I think when he turns the volume up they kind of realize that they that they, their spot's been blown up and they stop because he, he comes out and then it's it's this sort of thing that's sort of simmering until the the last time when they're filming the sex scene although there's all of those scenes in between where he's like i don't know so, so what's going on with yeah. him and here he's being really professional he's never really bad to her about it and when he talks to him it's like are you going to be able to do this scene? Or you can. Yeah. And the guy's like, Oh man, this is amazing. This was transcendent. Thank you so much for putting me in this project. I'm going to break up with my girlfriend and hook up with the actress. Like, well, he, he, and he's just he like, doesn't say he's going to hook up with her. He does like the, no. the breaking up with the girlfriend is sort of a tangential thing. And it's Swanberg who draws the line there or, or Sam who draws the line between it because he's like, so you're going to so you've broken up with your girlfriend he's like because he knows that it's his girlfriend or his wife or whatever yeah so he knows he's not going to get with her it's just he he's i don't know he he's just gushing to him oh i'm so thankful for being in this and 
It's like, yeah, can you do this? Like, I don't know, man. The, things are not the yeah. most professional at this point. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Is this is this going to affect your performance? I, I think at first Swanberg was like, well, okay, they just shared like a really intimate thing yeah. on film. I guess this just kind of happens. This is a, a risk you take when you make porn. Well, it's no. not porn that he's making, but when you make porn, the graphic with, sex scene, uh, your yeah, wife yeah. is an actress. Yeah. So I, I think he just accepted that at first, right? And I don't think he's or tried to be cool. Yeah, I think he is surprisingly cool about it for the most part, especially compared with his character in the previous film, who is not cool about anything. <laughs> oh my god the the speeches Ethan would give oh, just unbelievable. So he's <laughs> he's pretty chill about it. He he just he talks to them very straight and is like okay can we 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 need to continue to be professional there's some stuff we're just gonna cut we can use stunt doubles for some of this stuff because uh i i think things are getting out of control here and it's it's really only in the very last sex scene that things come to a head where he's filming it and he imagines one of them saying i love you and i don't know who he imagines saying it yeah that's the who do you think Um, i think he imagined eric saying it i agree i agree but I don't think he knows who he imagines saying it because, yeah, yeah that's the th- like this. All these sex scenes take probably about twenty minutes each. Like, well, because they're so- yeah, it's it's specific shots that they're trying to get, and then like some conversation around them. So uh, they're yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we have like twenty minutes of setup before he says "I love you," and he's just like, "What did you just say? I love you?" Well, that and that is not something the character. No one say. says it. No one says it. It isn't yeah, said. Yeah, everyone's like, what are you talking about, man? I didn't hear it. Because it, it's, it's it's a good long take. He's, he's sitting there and he's like, did you say I love you? And there, there's like a pretty long pause. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so you didn't. And then it, it slowly unravels. And then he finally just has to walk out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cameraman's even like, yo, I'm uh, manning the camera. I got the headphones. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, I didn't hear it, man. And then ultimately, he just he he has to. He's overheated. He has to go. He he goes and gets in the pool. Uh, and that's actually something we haven't mentioned. All the beautiful shots in between oh, of yeah. everybody swimming in the pool and just the green of the pool and the underwater shots. Those are really beautiful and meditative throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last shot is just him in a pool. Well basically the last shot him in a pool by himself with his like brooding mopey face which he has an incredible brooding mopey woe is me face so good at it and i feel that that is why joe swanberg plays characters like this that he knows he is very good at making this face (laughs) and yeah and his his girlfriend fucking jumps out of the side of the screen and attacks him and it's hilarious yeah like oh my god it came uh, so out of nowhere that it was a jump scare for me when it happened because like i'm i'm watching this thing i'm really high we just had like all the air just let out of the room so that i'm watching him like sit there for a good minute just vibing with the music vibing with what's going on in his head that suddenly boom I laughed until I had tears. It was such a funny ending. It was so perfect. Just uh, him sitting there brooding and being upset and just her. Ah! <laughs> I'm just imagining mm. Shaw Brothers, the end freeze frame. 
Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like a kung fu ending to me. It was so delightful. Uh, it's uh, like, uh, yeah, I liked it maybe more than Silver Bullets. I don't know. I, I both of I... them, I liked more than I expected. And this one just, it, it connected me the first time, whereas Silver Bullets took a couple watches. I think I... I think with both of these, I enjoy talking about them more than I enjoy watching them, but I have to watch them to talk about them, <laughs> because there's a lot to say. I I don't know if I would ever go back and watch this one. The the, the sex made me too uncomfortable. The, uh, the way he shoots it is... Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's not supposed it's to be fun face. to look at. It's, it's supposed yeah. to just be business-like and it's just this is the thing that's going on uh and it is graphic like they're you know we we see someone put a condom on we see uh semi-graphic actual sex and i don't know it didn't doesn't bother me i mean i've been watching all the fucking uh steckler pornos i watched the doris (laughs) wishman pornos i can handle this stuff yeah i'm not that into it uh but yeah i i liked it quite a bit it's uh (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a weird vibe uh fun stuff i'm gonna check out the next one the zone point yeah, yeah yeah uh so uh do you have any last thoughts before we move on to a part three um no i think we're ready for what my understanding is an extremely tall watch stack there's quite a few there's, there's some <laughs> there's some numbers uh all, all right. right well uh sally forth and we're back for part three, the watch stacks, an extended edition. Because uh, <laughs> we missed a week. We missed a week. And it's not like I wasn't watching movies when <laughs> I, I couldn't uh, move my hands well enough to edit properly. So uh, we got some movies. We got 24 picks this week. So we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to. All right. We need two picks from the watch stacks for our main and second features. Shanna's going to choose. Which one I'm going to cover and which one she's going to cover. It's going to be red. All right. So uh, we're not going to do anything from the main stack. So we're just not going to do the moves this week. We'll push them on to next week and we'll see what other moves there are by then. It'll be fun. All right. Exciting. So strap in. First pick. Diamonds are forever, forever, forever. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I've seen this one or not. This one's the final Sean Connery or final official Sean Connery entry in the series. Right. Because Thunderball. Thunderball. Well, never say never again. Remade. Remake of Thunderball. So mostly right. Uh, This one. Oh, it's a very strange movie. Uh, It's Bond in Las Vegas. Does that ring a bell? Kind of. Kind of. So uh, the, the plot of this one, it's. You know, it's it's post on Her Majesty's Secret Service, so Bond is looking to get revenge, and he kills what he thinks is Blofeld in the pre-credit sequence by drowning him in a mud bath. Okay. But it turns out he's not actually dead. It was a double, though we don't learn that till much later, because he's still the villain of this movie. Right, and Blofeld has a history of using body doubles. Yeah, and he's got like multiple body doubles in this one. Uh, he's played by Charles Gray, who was uh, the dude in You Only Live Twice, who got it, it, it got a knife in the back, who was like the the friendly agent. Oh, okay. He's Blofeld. Oh, he's the old man. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That, that guy's Blofeld. Uh, <laughs> uh, for some reason, Blofeld is impersonating Howard Hughes in this movie. 
remember F for fake, how there's the story of Howard Hughes living in the penthouse and mm-hmm. going out at night. He's doing that. <laughs> uh, and there's a, a like there's a Howard Hughes analog in this movie who's played by Jimmy Dean, uh, the sausage magnate. OK, <laughs> very bizarre, has two matched pairs of gay henchmen. <laughs> two matched pairs. Yeah. So there's Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, who are the gay couple of henchmen who are following these diamonds from some conflict mine in South Africa to the United States and killing every single person who touches them along the way. Okay, sure. One of them is Bruce Glover, Crispin Glover's dad. And boy, is he Crispin Glover's dad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so the two of them are the main henchmen who are kind of tracking Bond through the whole movie. Of course, there's also Blofeld and there's uh, also this Jimmy Dean guy uh, and other stuff. And uh, the, the, it's, it's a plot of like, they're going to make a space laser with the diamonds. Very complicated. There's a whole the thing. Alan Parsons project. Yeah. I mean, there, there's this entire thing where uh, Bond gets on a spot where they're, they seem to be filming a fake moon landing, but he's, and he steals a moon rover and he's like riding it through the desert in Nevada. It's a weird movie. Uh, cool. And uh, Jimmy Dean's character. I, I don't know if it's the people who are guarding him, but there's a Bambi and Thumper. Uh, the the two <laughs> lady uh, uh, who they just hang out in the pool and they kick him around a bit. Oh, weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> I sure I totally love it. It is completely bizarre camp. It's ridiculous, but uh, it is one I totally love. But it's absurd. Uh, also, it's it's made in seventy one, so it's at the same time that Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is taking place. And oh. I, I like to imagine like Dr. Gonzo and Hunter Thompson running around in the same in the background in the same sequences where Bond is watching like an elephant play the slots, because that's something that happens in this movie. <laughs> also, this Some one has feeding these elephants drinks. <laughs> yeah. Also, this has the worst Bond girl name of all time. Oh, but Christmas Jones wouldn't happen until decades later. I know, but my name's Plenty. Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> the fuck? Named after your father, I imagine. Oh. oh. She gets thrown out a window into a pool. Weird movie. Plenty O'Toole got thrown in the pool. <laughs> uh, next up is Red Heat. And it's uh, not the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. <laughs> it's not? <laughs> This would be uh, Ray Dennis Steckler's Red Heat. He couldn't uh, get Schwarzenegger. Couldn't get. I mean, this is pre-Schwarzenegger. This is uh, maybe it could no, be 76, just, no. Yeah, that's pretty much pre-Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah, he. There'd be no Schwarzenegger. Yeah, not yet. Uh, but yeah, Red Heat. Uh, so I, I told you a bit about this one last time. Uh, it, it's it's sort of the one RDS porno that I had heard a bit about. I mean, other than Mad Love Life of the Hot Vampire, which you'd already seen. Uh, and yeah, it, it's very interesting. It feels quite a bit like a Ray Dennis Steckler movie that has porno in it rather than a porno movie. Okay. So it's got this lady, Red Heat. She is this redhead who's cast in a porno. They think she's really hot, so they call her Red Heat. Oh, right. Yeah, I do remember you were telling me a little bit about this. Yeah. So I, the one of the weird things in this is uh, Ray Dennis Deckler, his porn name is Cindy Lou Sutter. 
in this movie, Cindy Lou Sutter is a character. Okay. She's the director of the film. She does voiceover. Obviously, it is done by <laughs> Carolyn Brandt. Oh, Carolyn Brandt. Yeah. I mean, you, you see where I'm <laughs> <No>. going. <laughs> so, Carolyn Brandt After is, my unhappy marriages. And she's pretending to be him, the director of the movie. <laughs> Which is also very strange, and she there, there. We see many porn scenes where she is uh, directing the porno, but you know it's there, there's a point where there's someone who's supposed to be Cindy Lou Sutter joining the scene, and it's another third person who we've never seen before. So uh, there's three Cindy Lou Sutters. Yeah, I mean, one of the, like technically it is Ray Dennis Steckler, but then Carolyn Brandt is providing the voice, and then there's a third person being the body. <laughs> okay, sure. So a lot of it is just from the point of view of the director of this porno, who is the director of this porno, right? <laughs> Reality porn, quote unquote, but you know, 76 style. So the thing is, Cindy Lou Sutter never ends up showing up for the porno. Okay. She 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 finds her boyfriend cheating on her, I think, fucking stabs <laughs> him to death. And then... Uh, it, it becomes a thing where, like, well, I mean, she didn't show up for work, so this is the day-to-day that's going on on the porn film. And then there's this stuff where, like, we, we run out of money because our main actress never showed up, so we had to hire a couple of cheap hookers from the strip to do this scene. And we know they're not much to look at, but I'm sorry we're running out of money. That's that's how it is. And it's like, I don't know how much of this is behind the scenes and how much of this is plot. <laughs> <laughs> It, it follows all of the plot of the making of the porno, and that's where we have all our hardcore sex scenes. But then, completely unrelated to that, you have her just continuing her killing spree. She's just killing everybody <laughs> she meets on a spree. She's just completely lost it. And then, like every guy, she just keeps running into guys. They pick her up hitchhiking, and then she goes somewhere with them and kills them. Uh, parallel <laughs> to that, there's also this guy on a motorcycle who keeps stealing stuff. And sure, the whole movie, it's just the two of them on a trajectory because he's on a motorcycle and he's picking people up and he's like pickpocketing, uh, running into businesses and stealing stuff. And we're just waiting for the two of them to collide at the end. I'm just imagining that it's James from Twin Peaks. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same plot as one of his non-porno movies. Uh, the the Hollywood strangler what, what's it called here the the hollywood oh, strangler the, meets the skid, the row, skid slasher. row slasher yeah it's almost the exact same plot but this one there's also an added plot of there's this porno movie happening and you know that <laughs> one it's two serial killers rather than a serial killer and a serial thief right right i mean it's still a lot of it is just porn <laughs> a lot of it is just sex scenes and uh, carolyn brand saying i mean we didn't we're running out of money here and there. i mean the, this production <laughs> is really strapped because our, our lead actress just didn't show I don't know what's going After on. After I her. sold my ranch. Yeah, it's weird. Or I should have sold my ranch, but I couldn't think of anyone who wanted to buy it. It's me, Cindy Lou Sutter. And she's weird because it's, oh man, it's it's so strange. <laughs> Next up, we've got The Hand. Oliver Stone's oh, The Hand. I'm going to talk to it because the face ain't listening. <laughs> I, I sent you the clip of uh, the incident which creates The Hand. Um, oh shoot, I don't know if I saw that one. We're going back two weeks ago, but uh, it's like so Michael Kane, he's <gasps> a he's a comic right. strip artist. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. He, he's he's just got his hand out the car. I told you to cut my sandwich. No, it's it's completely <laughs> the Kurt thing from the Simpsons. He's gesturing angrily out the window while having a fight with his wife in the car. 
<laughs> and he loses his, it's like a bus or something there, there's a lorry you know there's a flatbed truck and yeah it just it 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 cuts his it severs his hand off at the wrist and it goes flying <laughs> right. off into a field there's a, a shot later in the movie that is absolutely incredible where he's remembering this scene and we get a second shot of it and it's just him in slow motion remembering it and it's like this sort of it's a lateral shot of like it happening where we see just the hand glide in a perfect arc off the end of his uh, wrist and out into the field just like a streak of blood behind it it's beautiful so is this a comedy no not at all okay (laughs) this is a horror movie you see uh michael kane he is a comic strip artist he does sort of a conan comic strip mandro Mm, all right all right who does a big smash with big muscles yeah completely and he does nothing else uh mandro doesn't think he just acts (laughs) and it it is sort of a thing about toxic masculinity and i think that is actively in the text and not subtext like not unintentional i i think it's it's very much there i don't know how much of it is uh directly on oliver stone's mind but so oliver stone he wrote the script for the conan movie with uh schwarzenegger so i i think the the comic strip creator being uh a guy who does a conan strip i kind of wonder if he had just some interactions with whoever was doing it at the time and just did not get along with the guy or something Because he, so he's just a complete control freak, but you know, he's, his hand has been lost, so he can't do the strip anymore. So they want to sell the strip to this other guy. Uh, and he just, yeah, he has this whole thing. Well, Mandro doesn't think he just acts. You don't understand. And the guy's like, I don't know, man, maybe you need to get more in touch with your thoughts and feelings. And, uh, you kind of, I, I feel like maybe you're, uh, you're attributing, things to no thought when you know there there is a psychological background for things that happen even if you're not personally acknowledging it bro (laughs) so it turns into a whole thing where he thinks the hand is uh still out there and killing people who he's mad at (laughs) he he thinks the hand is killing people yeah or maybe the hand is killing people people are dying okay okay people people are uh getting killed all right uh it's it's goofy <laughs> it's, it's a very strange movie uh so i've seen nixon and i don't know if i've seen any other oliver stone jfk i haven't seen jfk oh we gotta watch jfk it's so fun, <laughs> so fun. nixon is not what i thought it would be yeah jfk is like that but about the jfk assassination and uh conspiracy Oh boy, that's already crazy. Oh yeah, and it is his favorite topic. Oliver Stone has made many JFK documentaries since then. <laughs> the Hand, kind of about JFK. That moment <laughs> where the hand is just getting knocked off, and we're getting the other view. It's like, oh, this is the this is the view from the grassy knoll. Oh, do, oh. that shit rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we've got Sherlock Junior. From Buster Keaton, a perfect movie, brilliant. Uh, it's oh. it's forty five minutes long, and not a fucking second wasted. This is the uh, this is the one where he walks into the film, you know, very iconic. Probably the first time. I don't think anyone had ever done that before in a movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. No. I, I think I 
I've probably seen this. Yeah, so he he the the plot is he is this guy who works at a movie theater. He's the usher in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And uh he also wants to be a detective. He's studying to become a detective. Okay, sure. But he's really poor and uh he there's this crooked guy who is his romantic rival and he uh, the romantic rival steals his their like their mutual love interests dad's pocket watch and pawns it and gets her candies with the the proceeds so he gets a much bigger box of candies and kind of shows up buster right oh okay and then he's the the dad realizes that his pocket watch has been stolen and so he's like oh well i mean I'm studying to be a detective and I'm going to figure this whole thing out. But the, the guy has already, the guy's reading over his shoulder and knows what he's going to do. So he, <laughs> you know, pins evidence on him and, and he kind of tells on himself, quote unquote. And, you know, he gets kicked out of the, the, the house. But of course, most of the movie is him having a dream sequence where he falls asleep in the theater and he walks into the movie screen and all of the people become the people in his life. And it becomes him as the super detective. Okay. Uh, after just this really crazy bravado sequence where uh, he walks into the film and it just changes scenes a bunch of times and he's just in the same place and having to deal with the environment changing around him, which is <laughs> incredible. Like, I don't know how they did it in the 20s because it's brilliantly done with him just changing places. Uh, also, the girlfriend solves the actual mystery before he even falls asleep. But he just doesn't realize it until he wakes up. <laughs> that's awesome she she like follows the obvious clue and she just like goes to the pawn shop and asks what the guy who sold the watch looked like and (laughs) the 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 bad guy just happens to be even walking past the store at the time it's like oh it's that guy he's like okay yeah that's him (laughs) good shit very good shit uh does fatty arbuckle show up no arbuckle in this i don't think he's in any of the features maybe one of the, I, I, cause I think he was disgraced by this point. Right. He got mad canceled, I believe. Yeah. For shit that I think is largely considered to be that he did not do that. As far as anyone knows, he may never have even met this lady. Oh. Yeah. But mm. yellow journalism, it was, uh, it was, I, I think this was a Hearst thing. Oh, that Hearst. Yeah. Oh, um, keep showing up. Yeah. One of those guys. Uh, next, and then uh, next is another Buster Keaton, his following film, The Navigator, uh, where so th- this is a, uh, it's it's sort of a romance one. He's got this bow. He wants to go on a honeymoon trip with her. They're going to go on a romantic cruise, and okay, uh, she turns him down. Oh, and he decides he's going to go on the cruise anyway. But there's these anarchists who've decided to blow up the boat. And the thing is, he just doesn't get up early. He's not an early riser. So he went to the boat the night before, and he's asleep on the boat. <laughs> and the first person to show up is uh, the the love interest. She's like, yeah, I, I should go on the trip anyway. And she she shows up there. And then the boat gets blown up, and the, they're the only ones there. They're, it, it's a drift with just the two of them on it. So they, oh, okay. it becomes kind of a Popeye olive oil thing. They're on this boat adrift in the sea and they're adventuring on this boat. There, There's kind of a regressive sequence where they encounter an island full of cannibals. But I will say at least to this that they did not have people in blackface. It is 
at least cast actual black actors in it. <laughs> well, that's I mean better. Yeah, considering uh the standards of the time, I mean that that alone is is something. <laughs> uh oh. it, it's it's pretty good. It's uh it's much cuter. Uh, uh the ship is full of fireworks, so there's lots of fireworks gags and stuff. There's a whole thing okay. where he's in one of these antiquated diving suits and uh you have him like grabbing fish and stuff. It's great. <laughs> good shit. Nice, nice. Next up is Killing Spree. Uh, Tim Ritter films. Uh, I, I guess it's shot on video, maybe 16 mil. It's sort of the same plot as his other movie, uh, Truth or Dare, A Critical Madness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although that one, it has this layer where the guy is playing Truth or Dare, but it's still kicked off with the same things. So this guy, he he's extremely jealous. He's, he's this guy who's right. just unbelievably jealous. And his wife uh spoilers i guess but it's remarkably obvious the whole movie that it's all in his head uh <laughs> she has this this sketchbook or or this this notepad where she's writing these erotic stories and they're okay. all based on these dudes who happen to in, come into the house because she's just this housewife she lives at home she doesn't really have much outdoor life so she's having these kind of erotic fantasies as she writes them down and she's going to sell them to this publisher to make some extra money because uh, this guy's just this impotent fucking ball of rage. His his <laughs> boss is uh, screwing with him. He keeps getting his pay cut and they're really running low on money. Like he when they married, it was one of those things like he made her quit her job. It's, you know, it's the Doris Wishman thing, except he doesn't become useless as he's gradually being made useless right right so it's just turning him into this compressed little fucking awful rage man and he happens to read the the book and he thinks she's cheating on him and he's just so eager to believe she's cheating on him and he, he just goes on a killing rampage <laughs> he fucking murders people it's extremely ridiculously <laughs> gory every time uh and you know, he he never goes after her. He's just like, I, I just have to get the bad men who've ruined her. And just, uh, you know, right. every time he comes home, he takes another look at it. And, you know, oh, there's a TV repairman here. And then she's made up a story about that. So he goes and kills the TV repairman you know, over <laughs> and over and over again. And, you know, it, it's this really crazy escalated thing where everything is super amplified he's playing it mega big uh also the guy's name is asbestos felt that's the name of the actor incredible Wait, the, the, actor? the actor's name, name is asbestos felt and he looks incredible he's this huge rangy uh ginger guy he he looks like a maniac <laughs> uh so yeah i mean fucking looney tunes kills very gruesome and uh ultimately the, the wife finally comes clean. It's like, I was, these are just stories I made up that I was selling. But uh, by this point, things have gotten out of hand and all of the other, all of the people he's killed have come back as zombies to get their revenge. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> hey, we weren't killed justifiably. Yeah. So we eat your brains. They're, 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 they're kind of like, they have him locked in a room and they're trying to decide how uh, to fairly get, how everyone can fairly get revenge and it's like well we all want revenge we can't all personally kill him yeah it's 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 a hell of a thing 
Uh, next up, we've got Twilight, uh, not the glittery vampires one. The movie. Hmm. <laughs> I rewatched it during the pandemic. It's boring. It's not very good. It's fine, I guess. It's better than the book. I mean, probably. Like, you know, it's just it's it's embarrassingly bad for how good everybody in it is in other stuff. It's such a an embarrassingly good cast for what a boring movie it is. Anyway, <laughs> well, this was this was my first time like encountering some of those actors. Yeah. So I thought that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson were shit actors i mean that's robert pattinson that's my understanding is he's a genius he's very good i i've seen him be great in a lot of stuff and same with Kristen stewart like they're both excellent it's just this movie did not utilize them well i guess i it, it's what made them stars and it's what introduced them to most people but they're kind of terrible in it and there's some other people in that who are great but anyway that's not the movie we're talking about uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> the, the twilight we actually watched yeah so uh this one is a neo-noir from the late 90s uh-huh. It's uh, starring uh, uh, Paul Newman as this old cop. He's he's I, I, I think he's retired. He's a P.I. now. And this is the other movie I watched with Reese Witherspoon in it this, this past couple of weeks. Oh, OK. Uh, and she is kind of playing a freeway-esque character, but kind of in between where she kind of feels like she could be in Wild Things. And that's why I was kind of thinking she was going to be in Wild Things when I was watching it the second time. Because it's, it's the right era for Reese Witherspoon to show up. Exactly. So, I mean, this is the same year. This is 98. Uh, same same right, year as well right. things. So anyway, uh, he's he's sort of doing bounty hunter stuff and he's been sent to go retrieve her from somewhere. That's sort of like the opening sequence where uh, he gets shot in the leg while he's uh, getting her back to the family because she's run off with some guy. Right. right. Who uh, ends up coming back who's got like a whole scheme. It's... Uh, I mean, everybody in this is a kind of a big star. Uh, I think it was, uh, geez, I can't remember who this particular dude was. Uh, anyway, uh, he gets shot in the leg and it turns into this weird running gag where every time he encounters all of the police that used to know him it, through the grapevine, somehow it turned into his penis was shot off in this in altercation <laughs> and everybody thinks his dick has been shot off and everybody's kind of dancing around and he doesn't know why everyone's treating him weird. It's not a comedy. Sure. <laughs> this is again, just a serious noir movie that this is just this weird running thing that runs through the entire movie. It, the final line of the movie relates to it. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's a complex, you know, twisty neo-noir thing where there's this, uh, he knows these Hollywood actors and there's this uh, poisoned Hollywood romance back in the day that, you know, it's uh, this famous, you know, Hollywood Babylon type event that, uh, you know, there, there's all these rumors about and maybe someone covered it up. And there's this guy who's blackmailing Gene Hackman, who's his buddy, who who's how whose couch he sleeps on. You know, Reese Witherspoon's his daughter. So it's. I mean, he's dying of cancer and I don't know, it's, just, you know, twilight. Everybody is at the end of their careers and. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, that, that kind of twilight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And everyone's just tired and uh, things fading. And you've also got James Garner as the cop who is sort of investigating the case, but who may also be crooked and uh, has this really nice expensive house that how did he buy that? I don't know, man. <laughs> Uh, you know, pretty good. All right. Next up, cool. the Devastator. So, oh man, 
there's like I see there's five people. They are going to turn into one. <laughs> they're going to combine together, become one giant person. Yeah, and one of them's a dump truck, and one of them's a fucking bulldozer. <laughs> I actually have yeah, I have a devastator in my room here. <laughs> I had like one part of. I don't know if it was Devastator or like another one of the combining ones. You you know Devastator because they're bright fluorescent green. Yeah, I just can't remember which one I had and which one was my buddy's. Oh, fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, this is the Devastator. It's a I I've been watching a lot of these. So there's this Vietnam vet back in America, and he's bitter. Mm. Mm. <laughs> just well, what could he be bitter about? They're being mistreated by people, and oh. uh, it's it's this really tiny small town where somehow uh these uh pot growers have uh sort of staked out this area and anytime anyone comes near it they start blowing them away they've kind of gotten too complacent in their safety in this area and uh you know uh, just a whole bunch of dudes uh <laughs> the the character's name uh our our main uh vietnam vet is groovy porter I just want to want to say groovy porter please be played by wings hauser sadly no there's there's no <laughs> real names i know in this one uh but it's it's a serial santiago so it's shot in the philippines and uh it's you know philippines standing in for socal and right. uh, yeah oh. they, <laughs> for some reason uh and uh, yeah it's just a whole bunch of vietnam vets and they're fighting against these guys because uh the uh, the the growers you know they're kind of pseudo paramilitary organization they kill the commanding officer of this group so you know they got to come gunning for revenge and it's just endless explosions there's like 15 characters in it i never could keep track of a single one of them uh <laughs> just people exploding here and there and then it's over all right <laughs> uh next we've got time of roses this is uh what is it um what country finnish it is a finnish sort of dystopian quasi like utopian dystopia you know do you ever read okay. brave new world i never read that one no it was one i had to read in high school uh very good book it's sort yeah, of a I, brave read... new world-esque future uh yeah i i ended up reading 1984 in high school mm. yeah not quite 19 i mean it's it's sort of 1984-esque in terms of there's uh a lot of censorship and it's just you know we 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 keep a lot of stuff from the people just to keep them uh contained where we're mm -hmm. uh you know we uh we use the media to control people and the the movie sort of follows a couple media people okay and they're like sort of uh documentary filmmakers who use tools to look at stuff from the past they they have all these all this surveillance footage and stuff i, I don't know exactly how it works but uh, they're making this, they, they've decided to make this documentary about this lady who uh, lived in the 60s or 70s, I think it's supposed to be. And she died after getting hit by a car on the set of a movie. And they don't know a oh. whole lot more about her at that point. Okay. So then they do some digging and they start talking to some people who knew her. And then it turns out there was this whole scandal associated with her where she was uh, scamming all these dudes saying she was pregnant so that she could get a bunch of abortion money out of them. Oh, I see. So they, there's like, okay, well that's kind of interesting. And they start interviewing people and get into uh, kind of gradually learn what her deal was. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's a strange vibe. <laughs> it's just, you know, the, the, 
the media personality guy. He's found this actress who looks exactly like her and he's trying to mold her into this person and setting up this extremely elaborate like well i mean just doing you know getting hit by a car on the movie set that's not very cinematic what if it was a train and you know just uh, escalating stuff and gradually fictionalizing it to the point of uh being totally ridiculous also all of the furniture is inflatable clear plastic <laughs> yes it's the future Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I love weird future predictions. <laughs> uh one of the things as well uh the the national sport seems to be like the way he finds this lady the first time he goes to the factory she works at but she's on break and he goes to like the break room which is like this uh it's like this big gigantic barn shed where there's sort of a full contact a semi-naked makeout soccer game in practice, <laughs> and I guess that's just what you do. You have makeout soccer between shifts at the factory in the future. <laughs> Next up is the mystery of chess boxing. That's one way to prevent your guys from unionizing. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, or, or maybe, maybe that's something the union fought for. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mystery chess boxing though. Mystery of Chess Boxing. Uh, so, you know, in Nichiju, you've got the Go Soccer Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. It's Soccer. that. It's that. That's the oh Kung Fu God. in this movie. They they have the, the Go game <laughs> and they they show like, like, you know, the there is the episode in Nichiju where they actually have a match and they have the bits where they show the things and the guys do these moves and they're supposed to represent things. That's this whole movie. <laughs> that is like the Kung Fu in this movie where it's like, oh, I mean, he did a thing that's related to this chess move. And like, I don't follow you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but this one has a ghost face killer. The ghost face killer. It's where where he got the name from. From this movie. Like the rapper. Yeah. And there's uh, the song Mystery of Chess Boxing is on the first Wu-Tang album. Oh, well, then, yeah, that's definitely oh, yeah. where he got the no name question. from. That's not really to be questioned. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's the ghost face killer. Uh, people got to get revenge against him. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's training with the 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 chess boxer. Uh, I mean, it's a strange one. It's it's very like it's Kung Fu, but the Kung Fu is so abstract that it's sort of wuxia. I love that they keep finding different ways to Kung Fu. Oh yeah, like like the last one was like stealth kung fu, where you don't oh, even know that a fight's happening. The invisible kicks, like, yeah, so, like so Bugs good. Bunny kung fu. Yeah, I mean you got a lot of real bugs, but I mean this is a Jackie exploitation, so it is oh, okay. sort of Bugs Bunny adjacent. You're doing that comedy kung fu. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we got sort of a pair: Attack of the Killer Refrigerator and The Hook of Woodland Heights. Okay, they're both pretty <laughs> short. They're like. Uh, 20 minutes half an hour each uh All right. made by the same people same small town really 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 low budget uh shot on video productions oh wow oh. yeah attack of the killer refrigerator is 16 minutes that sounds about right so attack of the killer refrigerator uh there there's this party there's this party and uh for some reason at the party they're de-icing the refrigerator at a party at a party they're just de-icing the that, refrigerator and you gotta do that before or after yeah, and they're filming it, and they're all laughing. It's it's like 
a rape scene. You know, they play it like they're raping the fridge. <laughs> and then the rest of the movie, the fridge is getting revenge. It eats everyone in the house. <laughs> I'm just imagining <laughs> the fridge's mom being like, they're all gonna laugh at you. <laughs> I I, uh, I mean it's that's that's the whole that's attack of the killer refrigerator. And then Hook of Woodland Heights, it's it's a pretty straight Halloween knockoff, but shot on video and it's it's sort of playing on the you know, the hook on the door, uh urban legend kind of thing. But head hook car door. Oh yeah. fuck, I always forget how it goes. That that thing, but uh, this yeah. one, the guy, he's an escape mental patient, and he finds a barbecue fork and he sticks it into the stump of his missing hand, and he's attacking people <laughs> with a barbecue fork throughout the movie. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> a, a very very straight uh, uh, Halloween riff, though. Like it's it's <laughs> it's doing the Halloween stuff. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got extraterrestrial visitors uh, okay so i looked at the the just like the box art yeah and i just saw the big et letters but then i saw the green eyes i'm like et didn't quite look like that did it but you know <laughs> it's still invoking et i might accidentally buy this thinking or rent this thinking i'm renting et and it's sort of like quasi an et mockbuster to an extent but it's a okay. horror movie and it's not for kids <laughs> oh is this the one with the oh no this isn't the one with the plushie is it yes it is this is trumpy okay so i i got this from severin i i i get the the very limited uh bundle so i have a trumpy plush which is so adorable i love it uh, <laughs> it, i haven't seen it in person but i've seen photos it's i want one so bad it's so cute so I've seen extraterrestrial visitors in its mystery science theater form a dozen times, at least, in, mm. in as pod people. Uh, right. Okay. So the the song that they there's a a rock band, <laughs> quote unquote rock <laughs> band, hanging out, hanging out with the family. Uh, what is it? Uh, hear the engines roll now. Hear the engines <laughs> roll now. Burn the rubber tires. Uh. It's bad. It's really bad. And it, like they do two run throughs of the song, like they're rehearsing it in <laughs> their uh, recording studio. And it's like, it stinks. And it, it's like one of the biggest bumpers on Mystery Science Theater. The it stinks with him doing the OK symbol. Great. So, yeah, uh, the aliens crash land on Earth, obviously. And they there's a bunch of eggs and it's kind of like at the start it's unclear whether they're bad or good and it's sort of this weird nature v nurture thing where you have one evil alien and one good alien uh so there, there's these poachers who are loose in the woods and they're the first ones who find the aliens because they're looking for bird eggs and right. one of the guys just decides to go totally fucking sick house and he destroys most of the eggs he's just like going at him like an ape on a suitcase but that's not what you're supposed to be doing when you're the poacher. You well, again, he's a, he just starts destroying most of them. So there's only a couple. And uh, there's this family who lives in the middle of the woods and they have this really precocious little boy who's collecting tons Does of animals. Does he teach the alien how to love? Exactly. He he finds an egg and he takes it home and he brings it and he like cuddles it in bed with him and then he raises it. He feeds it uh. and it grows up and it loves him. This is Trumpy. 
Right. Trumpy can do magic. <laughs> kind of elf, kind of ET thing. <laughs> yeah, he he can sort of do magic. He he can like make stuff fly around. Uh, he can make the telescope look at stuff that's happening in Africa if he wants to. I don't know. Uh, cool. <laughs> uh, and then there's a, a parallel to this. There's another alien who's just ripping people up and killing them. Right. <laughs> so a few people are getting killed and then the survivors show up at his house and they're all hanging out there. And then, you know, he's trying to hide Trumpy from everybody else because he's worried that they're going to get Trumpy. And he thinks that maybe Trumpy might be doing the killings. And you know, there, there's various mistaken identity. He's the exact same size as Trumpy. So he puts him in his clothes sometimes and they're like switching him out. <laughs> What's up, fellow teenagers? I'm not Trumpy. So, like, also, I, I mean, known also as extraterrestrial visitors, the second coming, uh, to really kind of try to make it seem like it's E.T. It's also called oh, the return fuck. of E.T. in some territories. Oh, the, fuck. the unearthling. And, of course, pod people is uh, the uh, <laughs> the TV version that was on MST. It's a bad mm. movie. Like, I, unabashedly, it's <laughs> terrible. It's really bad. But I kind of have a lot of affection for how stupid it is. <laughs> uh, well it could be fun conversely next up is deep blue sea <laughs> you may recall i watched this like i don't know six weeks ago and i didn't like it yeah so did you like it this time no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well you know it's it, it was the first really hot week of the year and i love a shark movie when it's hot when it gets really hot oh. shark movie is one of my go-tos i love them so much especially a stupid shitty shark movie and i thought like hey what's a stupider shittier shark movie than deep blue sea i had a bunch of hash i sat back i watched it i was still pretty bored i didn't really enjoy it that much <laughs> still not still not to my taste oh man speaking of stupid shitty shark movies a uh, big shark it sounds like it's real now it might actually be in production finally maybe i mean i keep hearing it i like i follow tommy on twitter or not on twitter on on facebook and he periodically posts things that is just like uh-huh this is still the same thing you were saying five years ago tommy what is going on with this movie well they big released... shark tommy was by the way audience <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean necessary guys doing uh, a shark movie i i'm i really want to see it i i really did enjoy uh best fiends and the neighbors fun. is fucking brain damaged oh i gotta finish that yeah oh wow those those hurt my head but fascinating <laughs> fascinating shit how's deep blue sea so yeah deep blue sea i mean it's it's all the same shit uh we we, we talked about it i i yeah I, it's just so dumb i i <laughs> my, my problems are just that it doesn't really it, it has this whole thing about it's they're they're finding the cure for alzheimer's and they've basically cured it they've found the cure and okay, you know they cool. they've done this you know they the the scientists use some unethical methods which made the sharks really smart and that's kind of what causes this whole thing but it turns into this weird kind of judgy thing at the end that's also very churchy where she kind of ends up sacrificing like the head scientist who's the only one who now because like the you know, in the destruction of the thing, all of the tapes get destroyed. So she's the only one who still knows the cure for Alzheimer's sacrifices herself to save LL Cool J, the Christian cook, 
who's already been dragged by a fucking shark all over the place. Ah, it's a dumb fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's the right uh, moral call to make. That's a... that's what they changed it to because test audiences didn't like the main actress. Oh. Yeah, she's she's a little too uppity. Anyway, next up, Final Destination. And this is a movie, a horror movie from that era that kind of holds up for me. So I only ever saw this when it first came out on video. I saw all of these on video, but only the one time. Fair, fair. That I think that's what I did with the first one. Uh, I didn't really see the like I was really slow at seeing most of these other than the first one. Actually, I'm sure I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen a bunch. I've seen at least the first three. Uh, but this one, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. It was semi-locally shot. The end of the movie is shot in Bastion Square, which is kind of fun. Oh, Very cool. recognizable. It's extremely recognizable. Oh, man. I used to live right over there. Yeah. So, uh Final destination, you know, the basic concept. Uh, they're they go on this is the one where they're on the plane at the start and he has oh, a panic yeah, attack. Yeah, he gets off the plane and like five other people do, including Sean William Scott before American Stifler. Pie made him a star. Yeah. <laughs> uh or maybe this is the same time. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, Devin Sow was our main guy in this one. Casper himself. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, not- yeah, two thousand. So uh American Pie did exist okay so it is before that uh uh or it is before this but yeah it's it's weird he's in that uh, he gets his head chopped off at one point uh (laughs) it's it's fun i mean i just the concept is great the that uh death comes back for you and just these elaborate rube goldberg machines unraveling of how (laughs) death gets them in these absurd ways and then kind of cleans up the evidence afterwards (laughs) i just remember like the ridiculous thing of like i don't know if it's this one or if it's a different one where he like slips on a shower and ends up doing all this shit and eventually hangs himself that's in this one yeah that's this one okay uh, also, they go to the morgue, and Tony Todd is the the mor- the attendant there, and he gives like this incredibly dramatic speech about death. Great, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Nice. It's it's not a great movie, but it's a uh, a surprisingly fun ride that still holds up, like much better than I expected it to. Okay. Next up is Virana, or Vengeance of the Vampire. This is uh, the first in Mondo Macabro's Bollywood Horror Box. Bollywood Horror. Now, I haven't seen a whole lot of Bollywood movies, if any. I definitely haven't seen a Bollywood Horror. So, one thing you may know about Bollywood movies, or a couple things you may know about Bollywood movies. They're really long. Mm -hmm. There you go. This is 145 minutes. It sure is. It's got a lot of songs, a lot of song and dance numbers. All right. And it rules. <laughs> the music fucking bangs. It's a really incredible soundtrack because it's like uh, late 80s, mid 80s, I guess. And it's just uh, heavy on the synths. It's got just kind of really banging uh, dance music, dance horror synth stuff uh, for the you know, like the romantic songs and stuff. Very convoluted story where it's a vampire, but she's also a witch or there's a witch's curse and there's the vampire. It's the dead witch, and she comes back as, as as a vampire. She like I don't know. It doesn't matter. 
Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> she's got witch powers and vampire powers. That is my takeaway. Yeah, and there's just uh, the the lady vampire going after all these dudes, and you have this comic subplot of this guy who's a movie director who's uh pretty sure how everything's going to be planned out and he's saying how he thinks things are going to happen it's it's just it's it's wild it's a really wild ride cool next we've got alien from the abyss uh, aka alien from the deep Ooh, this is a uh, an antonio margariti sci-fi knockoff of i guess it's both the abyss and aliens okay it's kind of a knockoff of both of them at the same time because it's you know they're the two james cameron movies this is 89 when the abyss was coming out right right Uh, i never saw the abyss yeah (laughs) yeah i i'm not a big james cameron fan to be quite honest Mm. i i'm 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 pretty met on a lot of his work that's that's fair uh, but so th- this one, you know, you got your requisite evil corporation and uh, they're dumping all their toxic waste directly into a volcano, which that never backfires. It, it's it's going great for them and going great for them. And then this giant sea monster comes out of the <laughs> comes out of the volcano and starts killing people. Uh, it's it's got a clam for a head and those big crap. Yeah, it's not quite a kaiju, but it's sort of really big and. Yeah, you know, it, okay. it, it, it snaps people. Maybe it takes a long time for that. Most of the time, it's just, well, there's this corporate malfeasance going on. Everybody's really upset about <laughs> it. And then finally, at the end, an alien shows up. Okay. Next up, we've got the 11th commandment. Oh, what could the 11th one be? Uh, you know, I'm not actually sure. <laughs> I don't think of it. I don't think that comes up. Uh, it is Hamlet as a slasher movie. Okay. <laughs> Kind of, kind of, sort of. There's this guy. He uh, he comes from a super fucking rich family, and he hates the shit out of them for everything. Sure. And he's he's decided like he he goes to seminary college, and he's going to become a priest, and he's going to renounce all their worldly shit. And uh, the problem is, he has a fucking mental breakdown, and ends up instead of becoming a priest, they put him in an insane asylum. Oh well, that's. No, not what he wanted. Right. And now he's he he's kind of violent at times and he uh, attacks people. And so he kills someone and he escapes from the place. And uh, his family have decided to write him off. And they're, they have people going after him to kill him so that they just don't have to deal with him anymore. And he's <laughs> coming back to slash them, obviously. Uh, right. And it's it sort of plays out Hamlet-esque. I think it's de- deliberately meant to echo it because there's the thing with like the the mother has remarried and uh, they killed the father and uh, there's a Polonius type who he kills, who's hiding behind a curtain at one point. They <laughs> they do all the stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's interesting. Cool. <laughs> Has, it's an eighties slasher, but it's Hamlet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the story of Hamlet. The, that's not one of those Shakespeare's that I got into. Oh, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I know all too well. Uh, next up, Seven Chances. It's another Buster Keaton. Oh, this one. Uh, there was a remake of this with Chris O'Donnell in the early aughts. What? <laughs> I don't know. I never saw it. Uh, this one, it's uh, it's it's a strange kind of. It's the only one that isn't one that he wrote. So it's an existing play that was adapted, and 
Uh, it's one that he's never really, he, he reportedly did not care for very much, but it's got some good shit. It takes a while to get going, and some of it's a little racist, though. <laughs> right. So uh, the the thing with this one, he is uh, going. He he finds out he's going to receive this gigantic inheritance, but mm-hmm. he has to be married by seven p.m. on his twenty seventh birthday to get it. it. Turns out okay. that's today. So oh, he has to get married immediately. So he goes across the street to marry or to uh, propose to his sweetheart, but he sells it wrong he's like Mm. well you know i have to marry someone so it might as well be you and uh Uh, so she turns him down and then he has to find another bride so it's just him on a madcap race uh proposing to everyone the seven chances thing which i think is the meat of the actual play is where like okay there's this list of seven girls you can you you have a shot with each of them you know we'll 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 try and get you married to one of these chicks and he's you know it's at the country club uh, that's probably the whole play <laughs> in the movie. He goes through all of them in about three minutes. It just, he blows it <laughs> so hard. He, by the time, like he's already onto the hat check girl in the place, uh, before, before five minutes are out. <laughs> and of course, like, they put a, an ad in the paper and, uh, you know, uh, uh, 500 brides show up in bridal wear and they chase him through the streets for half of the movie, hurling bricks. <laughs> Uh, there's a part where he's going down a hill and just fucking boulders are chasing him. The the whole world comes after him. <laughs> uh, pretty good. That could be fun. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, next up, go west. Another Buster Keaton. Mm. Plowing through these. Uh, this is yeah. one I had seen previously. This one's a sort of classic one where he becomes a cowboy. Yeah. It's the concept. He's a cowboy. Yeah. Uh, and a little cowboy. He's he's really into cows. He goes west. <laughs> he's he's going to become a cowboy, but he's too shrimpy, and uh, nobody really uh, will give him the time of day. He doesn't really know how to do any of this ranching stuff. Uh, there, there's a part where he's trying to milk a cow, so he, you know he puts the bucket down under it, and then he puts the stool in the right place, and he's like, "All right," and he like stands back and like I doesn't understand what's working when it's not working here. And you like readjust <laughs> the stool and like taps of the thing. Like huh, I don't understand why it isn't just doing it. <laughs> that kind of stuff ultimately there's this cow that he removes a stone from its uh uh paw and it becomes his best okay. friend follows him everywhere and then you know it, it's a cattle drive to take them to the slaughterhouse so he has to rescue it and oh. he he uh rescues the cow but he gets fired and then uh there's all these shenanigans with the train and the the cattle and uh, ultimately he has to rescue the cattle drive and run the cattle drive through the streets of Los Angeles, riding his cow while wearing a devil outfit. That's definitely, I'm sure the series of events leading up to that makes sense. It, it completely does. It's actually very sequential. Uh, and, <laughs> okay. and I mean, notably he, he does this. He's, he's leading a cattle drive through the actual streets of Los oh, Angeles right. in 1925. Yeah, he's he's legitimately doing it. Which, you know, that, that's a whole other thing. Uh, next up is art history. Uh, we pretty much talked about that. <laughs> yep, yeah. I don't think there's anything more to add to that one. <laughs> uh, although, I, just because as I go through these, I have my reviews of them up. And i remembering my, my right. thing about uh, <laughs> my, imagine, my imagined thing where uh, uh, Sam is looking at the footage and realizes what movie he's making. <laughs> like wait a second like look over the script come and cuck me <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> and he looks looks out the window to see himself getting cucked. Uh, next up, escape from the planet of the apes. But where would you go? It's, it, you can't go back to Earth. You're already there. Oh, but they did go back to Earth. They went back in time. Right, right. They went back in time. They escaped to present day 70s Hollywood. Or, yeah, I guess it's, no, I don't remember where they are. It's weird, because, like, most of the movie is them sort of doing a fish-out-of-water comedy. Okay. Like, you know, it's it's uh, Roddy McDowell, uh, Cornelius, and Zira, Kim Hunter, and one other dude, Milo, uh, who uh, doesn't last long. <laughs> 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 uh, they, you know, they, they get, they, they come back from the past, they saw the earth blow up, and they're really cagey. They don't really want to tell the people of the past who know just that they're, they sent two ships because the first one was uh, Charlton Heston and his folks who met right. them. And then the second ship also arrived to looking for them uh, in uh, part two. So okay. they're like, they're, they're asking about Taylor and it's like, mm, never heard that name. I don't know about any astronauts. No, <laughs> they eventually kind of have to come out with it. And then the government starts to distrust them. And there's this one guy who decides they need to be executed for whatever reason. Cause they, <laughs> they've told that it will become a planet of the age. And he's like, well, they're going to overpopulate the earth and they're going to, they're going to be the ones who do it. And you know, Zira turns out to be pregnant and he's like, Oh, we have to abort that ape. Right. Uh, and oh, God. It, it becomes increasingly grim and unpleasant. And then the ending is so much of a bummer. It is an incredible bummer ending. Oh, no, really? <laughs> uh, I mean, spoilers. Okay. But uh, at the end, uh, they, they switch out their newborn, like, talking ape you know with an ape at the circus a circus owned by ricardo montalban oh uh ricky <laughs> <laughs> and they go out onto a ship and they get cornered by the police and the the baby chimp gets fucking machine gunned by the bad guy and then both oh of God. them they all die oh <laughs> oh the end uh next up that sucks <laughs> my bloody valentine uh, I think I've seen this. Oh, no, no, I haven't seen this. You saw the remake, maybe? Uh, I saw one that came out in the 90s that I think was a slasher. There's like an, I think it was early aughts. It could have been early aughts. I think it was maybe My Bloody Valentine 3D or something like that. I never saw it. Something like that. This one is... I definitely didn't see whatever this one. Right. This one is like a first wave slasher, one of the originals. Uh, it's a Canadian one. It's made in Nova Scotia. Cool. And uh, it's it's a mine. There there's uh, a Nova Scotia mine, and there's this thing where our our slasher is the miner, which is pretty cool. His pickaxe is his main weapon. That's oh, a good slasher weapon. That's a good slasher weapon. There's uh there there's one bit where he uh gets a guy under the chin with the pickaxe, and it comes out his eye, and his eye pops out. <laughs> And then he's dragging oh, the corpse around like that. Ooh. Oh, that's awesome. Ooh. Very good. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's a pretty solid classic slasher. All those, the, all sorts of attacks in the mine. Uh, it's at Valentine's day, of course, because uh, there's this subplot where there's the, this background where the guy is, uh, ha had been on a killing rampage at, valentine's day and then they've never celebrated valentine's day in the town again 
Right, okay. But they start to celebrate it again, and then they get these threatening letters, and then, you know, the killings start. But is it actually the escaped guy, or is it someone else doing copycat shit, right? That's the Grinch who hates Valentine's. He got over Christmas, but he hates Valentine's Day. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And last up, I have the high sign standing in as uh, just as the figure for the whole bunch. All of the Buster Keaton solo shorts. It's quite a few of them. All right. uh, I, I watched all of them. That's three discs. So we watched the Buster Keaton Arbuckle. So it's like, you know, three times that. Oh, wow. And we, we watched a lot of those. There's quite a few. Like. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Uh, a, a lot of great stuff. A lot of his classic gags. The high sign I, I have up there is the first one in the set. It's also one of my favorites. Uh, it's got this. The, it's He joins a secret society and he's supposed to assassinate someone. But he also gets hired as the guy's bodyguard who he's supposed to assassinate. <laughs> so he's kind of working both sides. And there's all these uh, traps in the house. And he's like. You know, uh, pulling all these trap doors and switcheroos and people spinning around and <laughs> constantly doing this uh, hand signal every time he encounters someone. It's like, oh, part of the secret society. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, th- there is like a noticeable increase in the artistry of it when it becomes Buster Solo. Like the there's a lot of chaos to the Fatty Arbuckle ones. They're a lot more precise when it becomes Buster mm. Solo. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Chaotic is definitely a good way to describe the Fatty Arbuckle ones. Yeah. They always kind of devolve into chaos, whereas the Buster Keaton ones tend to have a trajectory. You know, they're they're very elaborately building towards something. They tend to have a really great set that has all sorts of crazy shit that you can do with it. Uh, there's like a haunted house. There's the neighbors one where he is like... Oh, or one week is one of the really amazing ones where he uh uh he he has just gotten married and it's the first week of marriage and they're building a house out of a box like it's a <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know it's it's like a box with a bunch of directions but the guy switch you know one of the the romantic rival changes a couple of the numbers around so the house gets <gasps> built all crooked and then they have the housewarming party and it starts spinning and uh, it, it like everybody gets thrown out of the house and it ends up on the railroad <laughs> tracks. I mean, you know, that kind of shit. Uh, that sounds fun. There's a convict 13 where he is playing golf and he hits himself in the head with the golf ball and it's knocked out and he wakes up and he's in prison clothes and there's prison guards around him. <laughs> and he keeps trying to run away and everywhere he goes, there's cops. He finally ends up running directly into the prison where it turns out his girlfriend is the daughter of the warden. No, also, it's uh, the day he's supposed to be hanged. <laughs> it's like, this is a fucking nightmare. Uh, yeah, good shit. Yeah, a, a lot of classic stuff. A lot of like very famous visual gags that you've seen. I did send you that bit from the Frozen North where he <laughs> busts into those people's house and shoots them. And he's like, wait a second. This isn't my wife or my house. <laughs> <laughs> Super good. <laughs> This is not my beautiful wife. No. This is not my fancy luxury house. Right. So, uh, those are our 24 picks or whatever. I don't know. Oh, God. (laughs) We're going to pick two of them. What do you figure? All right. Well, I definitely, uh, definitely want to do the uh, Virana. I have not seen Bollywood at all that I know of. All right. So uh, that's going to be one of them. 
Uh, for the second one, so you're. I'm, that, that's also the question. Uh, are you? Will you decide? Going to just pick the two and then choose who's covering which? Yeah, I'm going to pick All the right. two first, right. and then we'll discuss or decide, or some somehow we'll figure it out. So yeah, because uh, that's the one I want to do. Uh, fuck it. Well, no, let's just make it so that I'm doing that one. Okay. Uh, so, so for the next one, I'm torn, uh, between, it's between the hand, uh, between Killing Spree, Twilight, and a Buster Keaton, but I'm not picky on which one. I mean, with how short they are, could easily do a couple. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true. Uh, so yeah, I mean. <clears throat> or actually, you know what? I got an. I want to see if, which is the one that was shot in Bastion Square. Uh, that was Final Destination. Oh, hmm. <laughs> Do I really actually want to watch that though. It's it's really just the end shot, like the reshoots they did. Uh, the final sting in Bastion Square, where they're supposed to be in Paris, but it is obviously oh. Bastion Square. I was listening to a podcast about there, and like, what is obviously a studio set, and like, excuse me, that is not a studio set. That is downtown Victoria. <laughs> I know the exact spot. Yeah, yeah, our town just looks like that. Yeah, I mean, I recognize the bar in behind them. <laughs> <laughs> uh well you said killing spree just gets really wild right it's pretty goddamn ludicrous yeah let's do well we're we're doing a long one with virana so let's do a short ish one with killing spree okay so uh i i will cover killing spree and you will cover virana is the idea that is the idea. That's uh, let's do her that way. All right, cool. That should be pretty fun. We'll start digging into this uh, rad Mondo Macabro uh, Bollywood horror set. It's jazz to finally get that. I've been waiting on it for a while. Yeah, and I'm curious to uh, explore a new genre. I always I love doing that. Mm-hmm. And we've got a whole box set. There's a whole bunch more of them in the set to come. Cool. So next week, then, we will be doing Killing Spree and Virana, which I believe will be episode 99. Uh, 99, 99 yes. 99, coming yes. up. Uh, obviously, for episode 100, we are going to be doing our uh, Stats Awards for year two. We're going to talk about all of the uh, just, uh, some ranking our awards for the 100 fucking movies we've watched in the past year. It's, it's a little over 100 now. We, we've yeah we fit yeah, in because there was a few doubles yeah we we fit in a few extra ones like i would say you know art history can stand in there i uh, uh, i think it can i well. think we talked about it enough that a character could show up in an award or the director maybe if we wanted to go down that yeah, road yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know that i will <laughs> yeah I, I don't but i could i don't know that you will but uh you know, just <laughs> available i mean it's like joe swanberg or hitchcock but you know, we we have uh, some strange words. Uh, like That's true. Commando Ninja, I think, did pop up when we did the awards last year, and was not a, an right. official episode either. Anyway, so next week, Killing Spree and Virana uh, for ninety nine. Before we uh, do the the big hundredth, uh, any last right. thoughts for this week before we close? I'm Michael Kine. I've lost my hand. I can't do my TX eighty eight without my hand. <laughs> that wasn't great. Uh, 
Mandro doesn't think. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. I I fucking love it. He's he's so angry in this movie that he's just like <laughs> he he breaks up his marriage over his hand thing. It's clearly a thing. Like he he's sort of losing control of uh, his whole life because he loses his hand and uh he he breaks up and he moves to california and he's uh supposed to be working at a community college and there's this bit where uh all of the there's all these students who have shown up and it's the first day of his comic strip drawing university course and he's like all right everyone let's go around and everybody tell me your favorite comic strip <laughs> oh no and nobody has a favorite comic strip nobody can name a comic strip <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> I mean, just, garfield it's right that well maybe not back then it's this is 81 might have been right around the time you started did exist in 81 right about the same but time i don't know may not be garfield mania yet no i don't yeah. think it would be <laughs> just the, peanuts <laughs> oh peanuts for sure i mean i could name lots of comics i was reading comic strips i mean in 81 i was yeah. not alive but <laughs> i read i was i wasn't reading much yeah. so i don't know uh but yeah a uh, funny bit <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thanks everyone so much for listening and remember mando doesn't think <laughs> <laughs>